The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. It's one out. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. We are back. Oh, thank God we are back. It is so good to be with you here on A's Cast Live, not from one to four, not in spring training mode, but actually in game mode. God, it feels good. Cannot wait for, by the way, Commander Cody, we're going to take you behind the scenes right now because we've been doing a lot of different things, testing, getting ready for today. Uh, Commander, since we have made some um, adjustments, how do I sound? Am I okay? Am I too hot? Do you need to turn me down? Because I am very excited. Uh, you're always very excited, and it's good to see you again, but we'll get to the pleasantries in a moment. You sound fine. Maybe a smidge down, I would say. Smidge down. But All I want, right. I want to make sure you're still able to hear yourself. So I got to tell you, I want to congratulate you and the great job you did this offseason. Because a lot of people don't know how hard you have worked to keep this thing going. Because as other people have struggled to figure out what to talk about, what to do, we never lost We never lost a step. Like, it was funny downloading the uh, game notes. Like, you forget, like, like the A's were, what, 13 and 8 in spring training? <laughs> like, you, like, totally, like, forget, like, like, what's been going on? But, yeah, we're back to essentially the spring training notes. But I want to congratulate you on what you did for this program to keep this program going to where we watched all these other talk shows, all these sports talk, hot take gurus. They had nothing. They had nothing to talk about. You kept this thing going, and congratulations to you and the great work you did the entire winter meetings, the offseason, and even up to spring training 2.0. Well, I appreciate that. And now you understand why I took those few days off last week. Uh, it's, you know, keeping this alive has been fun. We've done a great job, all of us, our entire team. But being able to keep this alive and find literally something to talk about every, you know, every other day for three hours, not just a guest, the, just the topics we've talked about. Yes, I know we did a lot of Hall of Fame or not, but that's what people – I mean, people like that stuff. So, I mean, for what we were able to do, it wasn't all me. It's, all, it's mainly you. You're the host. I just book the guests and I chime in with analytics and, and silliness. But we've done a great job and, and we kept a, keeping this show alive, keeping Ace Cast going, and now we have a season to worry about. You mean we didn't have to do – 
Who's your top 10 Bay Area athletes of all time? And why is it Steph Curry number? Oh, my God. Nauseating. I'm so glad we're not a part of that, that we gave you real programming. We gave you real guests from Bob Costas to the biggest names in the sport. So kudos to you, Cody. And we keep this thing going. And now, um, you know, as, as your old friend Jim Harbaugh once said, it's getting real, real, real fast. You know, we're back to talking about winning games. And unfortunately, we're going to start our first Ace Cast Live with some bad news. And, you know, we sat here and talked about, you know, hey, with this all, you know, with this time off, this allows Jesus Lazardo. This allows AJ Puck. We don't have to talk about innings limits. You know, we just talked to uh, the GM, David Force, about this. A.J. Puck, though, so not only do you have Jesus Lazardo tested positive for COVID-19, asymptomatic from what we know, he'll be back on the mound, going to pitch, but A.J. Puck is hurt again. A.J. Puck, we're learning within like the last hour, has been shut down again, going to see a specialist in Los Angeles, which is never good. You know, when we were when we were at spring training, my last day at spring training, was it my last day or second last day? I reported to you. Bob gave me the scoop, Bob Melvin the skipper, on the Bob Melvin show, which will return starting on Thursday. Bob told me that AJ was being shut down. He's had all this time to get healthy and to feel right and to be ready to go. And he's being shut down again. I mean, literally. It was, what, 15 minutes ago you notified me before the show that Susan has, Susan Slusser, A's beat writer for the Chronicle. She put out, uh, let's see, it was 15 minutes ago that uh, Puck will start the season on the DL. And then 14 minutes ago she said he is going to Los Angeles to meet with a specialist. This is not good. Now, Bob Melvin, do you have the audio commander of Bob Melvin setting up the rotation? I do. He announced the opening day starter. Yes, I have that. Uh, just let me know when you want me to play it. Let's play Bob Melvin. This is what we thought was going to be the rotation. Uh, you want to hear about my opening day starter? All right. We'll go with Frankie Montauk yes. to start. And uh, Manai will pitch two. Fires will pitch three. Bassett will pitch four. Puck will pitch five. And it's the way it's lined up right now. And, and once we got a little bit into this thing, uh, it was going to – be hard to alter from that anyway, but I've been comfortable with any of the first three. We feel good about Frankie at the top. Well, that all changed, didn't it? That's changed dramatically. So Bassett, friend of the program, was obviously the insurance for the two young kids, and here we are again. The two young kids are not starting out with the big club. I mean, not Jesus. I mean, Jesus, it's COVID-19. It is what it is. Now, Bob has said, right, Cody, he's not going to, they're not going to rush Jesus Lazardo back. I yeah. mean, I, I don't, I mean, at this point, I mean, I got to, I have to feel like if it was me in my career, if I have COVID, I'm still throwing. I'm throwing to somebody. 
So I'm sure he was still throwing. He's not going to be that far off. Uh, Tyler Glass now of the of, of the Tampa Bay Rays uh, had COVID-19. And we saw last week, because of MLB now, he was already the, on the mound throwing to hitters. So I don't think Jesus is going to be that far off. But, you know, Bassett was supposed to be the insurance policy and now you're going to need your second insurance policy to start this season. Yeah, Bob said that uh, Jesus today is actually going to throw a simulated game. I think it's two innings, 15 pitches, and 15 pitches. So this is the first live batters he'll face since coming back, I believe, on Friday. But he said he's not going to rush him back, and there was a, we can play the audio later of him, ta- Bob talking about the starter versus reliever aspect for Jesus Lazardo and it, it's this information's uh it, it's it sucks. There's no other way to put it. I mean, you're looking forward to to Puck and his new haircut to, to lead the A's in, in, in with along with Lozardo and the other starters, you know, ma- we mainly focus on the young guys to leading this staff into 2020 where a lot of people like the A's. They like the pitching, the young pitching, especially for this year. Then this news comes out and it, it's, there's no other way to say it. It, just, it sucks. And, you know, we have to wait and hope that it's not anything major. And it's maybe it's just a precaution that he went down to, to he's going down to see the specialist. But I mean, nothing against Daniel Mangden, but we were expecting to see AJ Puck, be the, you know, as Bob laid out, the fifth starter, and hopefully Bassett would be the backup guy. But now Bassett's the four and Mangdon's the five. So I don't think anyone, anyone, anywhere saw neither Lazardo or Puck being in the rotation to start the year. I've said this for years. What's the best ability? Availability. I need you healthy. I need you to be able to take the ball every five days. And does it worry me about A.J. Puck? Yeah, it does. You know, we were so worried about the elbow, remember? Tommy John. And now we're worried about the shoulder? I mean, this is it's not good news. I mean, hopefully he'll go down. And, I mean, when they send you to a specialist, I mean, they've seen your MRI. They've seen what you got here. Now we got to send you to a specialist in Los Angeles? That's not good news. Hopefully, I mean, cross your fingers, knock on wood, he'll get a uh, a good diagnosis. But that's not the way we want to start the season. I mean, we have not at any point said, I can't wait to see Daniel Mingdon in the starting rotation. Daniel Mingdon was a guy out of options that we thought probably wouldn't be here. Now he's in your starting rotation. I like Daniel Mingdon. I thought I I I know he's been working on um, getting faster. You know, not so cute with the with all the you know hands over the head and cocking over your head a couple times, and then you know he's trying to get to be more in rhythm, which hopefully will help the defense. Less cute, but Daniel Mingdon was not a guy that we. I mean, I don't remember us ever talking about Daniel Mingdon being a big part of the rotation. He now is. You've got 60 games. That's it. You got to hope, starting with Frankie Montas on Friday, that you can find five to six guys they are going to be able to take the ball and give you innings. I mean, ideally, if you can have five guys all make 12 starts, boy, what an advantage you have. But if you have like five or six guys who take up those starts, I'm fine with that. 
And at that point, I think that's where Jesus Lazardo factors in. But he's not going to make 12 starts. I expect nothing from A.J. Puck at this point. I mean, this is one of those where, I mean, I believe we'll talk to David Force, the general manager, later this week. And, I mean, it, I mean, a, a real consideration for him is going to be shut it down. So now your starters are going to be Frankie Montas. You're going to have Mike Fires. You're going to have Sean Manaya. You're going to have Chris Bassett. And then your five, five and a half, five and six, whatever you want to call it, will now be Mingdon and Lazardo. And they're going to baby Lazardo. So this is this is what you got going forward. And you know. Maybe this is a time. I mean, I trust Chris Bassett. I think he's got great stuff. I've kind of been a champion of his. I, I I think he's a legit, a legit pitcher in Major League Baseball. And I love the fact that last year he went to Bob Melvin and said, hey, however you need me, I'm in. Because he wasn't like that originally, and I understand. When you're a starter and they start talking about being in the bullpen, you're like, man, I don't do this. But now Chris Bassett and what he did last year for this team where he said, give me the ball. I don't care if I'm starting, if I'm relieving. We've talked to Scott Emerson about this, the pitching coach. Bassett became a guy who said, just give me the ball. Give me the ball and I'll go get you outs. Whenever that is in the game. But now Daniel Mingdon needs to be that guy. Now does this bring, and oh God, Cody, I can't believe I'm bringing this up. And this is going to make you so happy. Does this mean every five days we're going to have an opener? Because Mingdon, in his career, has been the, what are we calling him? The follower, the... The follower, the bulk man. The bulk guy. He has been that guy for the A. So are we now going to get back, and especially early in the year, and we'll talk to Bob Melvin about this on Thursday. You know, here, here's the facts, folks. We're not going to have the – I'm not going to have the access that I normally have. And if you listen to this show, you know I'm always talking to people. I'm not here to break news. I'm just – I'm here to keep you updated on what's going on. So you really know on the inside what's happening. I'm not going to be at the ballpark. I can't go to Bob Melvin's office and say, hey, Bob, what do you th- – hey, hey, Skip – I can't go to Emo down the line. Like, Emo always pops by as as Cody and I are always down the line doing the show down the third baseline, and players always pop by and come to say hi to us and talk to us, and they give us the inside information. I'm not going to have that this season. I can text people, but it's not going to be like we're at the ballpark anymore. It's just going to be different. So we'll ask Bob on Friday, with the Bob. Mel- I mean, on Thursday, the Bob Melvin show. But things are going to be different, and especially early with the expanded rosters. I won't be shocked, Cody, if they're going to go with the strategy of an opener with Mingdon following because he has been successful doing that. I can see this go a few ways, and bear with me here. I can see the idea of the piggybacking where you have Mingdon go three innings and then you bring Jesus Lazardo in for three innings. If you want to do that, not to start the year because they're they're going to ease uh, Lazardo back into it. So I think that's one thing to consider. Another thing you, you consider is using the opener in Mengden. 
another thing I was thinking about, and what a perfect time for him to finally get his break and step up and maybe be the guy from the uh, Sonny Gray trade that, that pays off. Why don't maybe use James Caprillion too? He could be a guy you're looking at in the 60-game season that he throws hard. I know he's coming off Tommy John surgery, but there's a lot of options they could do. I think the most logical, and this is just me being a fan of piggybacking and bullpenning, would be Mangden and then have Lazardo or do opener Mangden Lazardo or opener and Lazardo, however you want to do it. But I think that piggybacking maybe with Mangden might be the best strategy because of the A's bullpen's depth with Lou Trevino and JB Wendelkin and who knows what happens with Birch Smith. I actually like him. I think he could be a guy that could be an asset for the A's. You have Jake Diekman. There's a lot of guys that could that could pitch multiple innings for this team because you know the three batter minimum. If you don't finish the inning, you have to you have to face three batters. So I think that. There's a lot of scenarios Bob can work with, which I think will play to his advantage because he's one of the best, if not the best, at figuring out platoons and different ways to match up pitchers. So I'm looking forward to it. I, you're right. I didn't think we would see Daniel Mangden in the uh, opening week rotation, but we're that's the news we got and have to deal with it for now. Did you mention Lou Trevino? I did. My college rival. <laughs> The hatred between you two really is uncomfortable. Uh, this is what we have going today. We wanted to break the puck story for you. But Paul Hemikides, the top researcher for ESPN and a part of their morning show, Get Up, will join us at 3.30. He's bullish on the A's right now. You're going to love hearing this. Dallas Braden, who is going to be a part of the coverage tonight on NBC Sports California, Dallas Braden will be here at 4 o'clock. How good is it going to be? to see Glenn Kuyper and Ray Fossey on television tonight. I can't tell you how. I'm just looking forward to filling out my scorebook. I can't wait to watch the game, listen to it. I, I, I'm able to have A's cast on and listen to the game and the TV at the same time. I recommend that you listen to A's cast and then turn the television down. But I listen to both. Dallas will be here at 4 o'clock. How about former All-Star, Andrew Bailey, now the pitching coach for the San Francisco Giants, uh, stops by. It's been a long time since I've talked to him, so it'll be great to catch up with Andrew Bailey, and we wish him nothing but great success. He's a great guy, and, you know, you're all, you're an A. He'll always be an A. And then Lou Trevino will be here at 5 o'clock. So it's Hembo 3.30, Dallas at 4, Bailey at 4.30, and Trevino at five. We are back. It's like weird being on the air at this point. I'm so used to now being in this spring training mode. We're on from one to four. No, we're back. We're going to have a pregame show. We're going to have a postgame show. We'll start taking calls on Friday from uh, UA's fans, who I know you guys want to get back involved. We've missed you. And, you know, it, it's just been strange times, but we're going to hopefully give you some normalcy going forward as we get this season going. And the number one thing is you got to win right away. I think that is the thing that everybody is going to agree on. Hiccups can't happen. As they say, one win is actually like winning 2.7 games and one loss is like losing 2.7 games. This is a crazy scenario we're facing here. Starting Friday, the Angels come to town. And 
we're gonna when's Otani pitching? He's pitching on Thursday. He's pitching on Sunday. From what I read on uh, on social media, and I believe I'm like you, and I'm like Jim Harbaugh, our good friend. I believe everything I read on the internet. If it's on the internet, it must be true. I Back. saw that Mike Fires will pitch against Shohei Otani on Sunday. So Otani will make his return to the rotation. Andrew Heaney will face Frankie Montas on Friday at opening night at the Coliseum. And then Saturday, it didn't say who was going to pitch for the Angels. Uh, from what Bob told us in the audio we played, Manaya will pitch game two. He's pitching tonight against Kevin Gosman, the one of the Giants' big free agent ads this past uh, offseason, which feels like a years ago. So I'm waiting to see what the Angels do for their second starter because I think uh, Julio Tehran still can't, can't pitch yet. He was one of the guys they signed. Maybe Dylan Bundy. But I'm excited to see well, Otani. Iran tested positive for coronavirus, so, right? Yeah, so he's not ready. And Dylan Bundy is another guy they traded for. Highly touted guy a couple years ago with the Orioles. Never really put it all together. So we'll see. But I'm excited to see Otani. I'm sorry. I mean, I, it's great to see Mike Trout, the second best player in baseball, behind Christian Yelich. So it'll be it'll be good to see Otani play. I was waiting for a reaction from you about the second best player. I, <laughs> I, I um, what? <laughs> What did you not? What did you just say? Said Mike Trout, the second best player in baseball behind Christian Yelich. Huh. I'm lo- hey, I'm looking at stats, bro. Look at his launch angle. Look what, huh. what Yelich's batting average is. Huh. Stills bases. So, all the stuff no one cares about. So if you had to pick one player, you're taking Christian Yelich over Mike Trout. No one's ever asked me that, and now I think about it. I think Yelich is a little bit younger. I still go Trout. Trout never gets hurt. Well, he missed like what he missed the end of the year last year, but that's about it. The guy plays. Um, guy used to not hit home runs. Now he does hit home runs. How does that happen? Launch angle, Miller Park. I mean, oh, I will, I will okay. say Miller Park. It, come on, Miller Park's a huge, huge home runners home uh, home runners ballpark. I mean, back in the day, he played on the road at other places. Like he couldn't hit home runs in Colorado. He twenty one one year. I think so 20, I think the guy can prior. barely barely hit twenty home runs, and now he's hitting forty something. That's not suspicious at all. When he hit forty four, he got hurt last year. He was close to closing on being like a fifty thirty guy last year. Yeah, because <laughs> back in the day, he was he was not hitting home runs at all. He didn't help, he didn't hit home runs in spring training in Florida, and then now he's going to be a fifty home run guy. All I'm saying is. In my career, whenever I see somebody bust out and do something they've never done before, it's not because they started working out more. Lance Armstrong didn't just, oh, God, his his heart beats and the blood that beats. Uh, what was the thing they tried to say? How, how much his, his heart's bigger and pumps blood faster through his body? That's uh, No, he was blood doping. Barry Bonds just started lifting weights. His head got bigger. Um, last time I checked, when I lifted weights, my head didn't get bigger. So whenever I see anybody in sports do stuff that they had never done before, I have a hard time just going, ah, God, he worked with this coach in the offseason. Make sense? It does. There are there are guys. I'm not though. accusing any of them. I'm not accusing no, anybody. No. I'm just saying when you hit 14 home runs a year, and that's all you got, and then now you're gonna be a 50 home run guy. 
I don't care what ballpark you play in. That's how you, I'm suspicious. You you know who you just mentioned uh, to a T right there, right? The great Joey Bats. His career high home run, 16 with the Pirates. Flash through a few years later playing at Rogers Center, 54. Um, I, I don't think you add that many home runs. Um, add 38 home runs in it with a, a swing coach. You can. We've seen guys do it, but I, I don't know. He's the one that, not accusing of anything, but he's the guy that always stuck out to me more than anybody, even Brady Anderson. At least, I mean, Batista was a wow. fringe player. You just, called, you just called out Cal Ripken Jr.'s best friend. Oh, that's I heard they were. I heard they were really good friends, but the guy hit what fifty home runs as a leadoff hitter. I I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I don't I don't know how yeah. that works. Case and point. All you got to say, Brady Anderson. Oh yeah, now Brady Anderson's Babe Ruth. All of a sudden. <laughs> so I I I I'm I I think I'm still taking Trout. I've watched Trout play his entire career. I think I'm still taking Trout as the best player in the game. How about we just go one A one B? Are are you really di- are you really dissing my guy, Cody Bellinger? He's a nice little player. Guy that can play center, right, and first base. He's a he's and, a very very talented player. And he's younger than Yelich. Younger than all of them. <laughs> and he won an MVP. Yeah. I don't know. I think my guy Bellinger down in L.A. I can't. This is what's going to be great. A's Dodgers bringing Mookie Betts, bringing in Bellinger, bringing in Kershaw, Bueller, all these dudes. I cannot wait. Well, it's going to be phenomenal. Well, you have to wait till like the end of the season, but so you're going to have to wait pretty much all year. <laughs> but yeah, I can't wait to see them play. Oh, you, you don't think I'm going to be glued to the TV when the Astros and the Dodgers play each other? That's coming up soon. I think it's like the second week of the season they play. This is what I've this is what I've been talking about. I've been dreaming about. Giants and A's should be in the same division. Give me Dodgers. Give me Padres. Give me D-backs. We should all be in this California, and we'll bring in Arizona. And okay, you're you're. I, I guess I'll 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 grandfather in your your Seattle Mariners. Get rid. I, I at some point I don't want to see the Rangers anymore. Does anybody really want to see the Texas Rangers in the A's division anymore? Like, what the hell are the Rockies doing in the West? Do Giants fans really care about seeing the Rockies anymore? Let all those teams play in their time zone, the Central, and let's get us all playing on the West Coast. And I guarantee you, especially with these core players, there'll be a rivalry between the the Dodgers and the A's real quick. They've played twice in the World Series. But I got to think that NorCal SoCal and the firepower that the A's have and the firepower that the Dodgers have, that'll be a lot of fun. I think we, we could, hey, when we were down at spring training, when the, when the Dodgers came over, we interviewed Dave Roberts, now friend of the program. When... Everybody, like Ken Rosenthal was there, Bob Nightingale, like everybody was there because they're like, this could be a World Series matchup. You're talking about two powerhouses, the A's and the Dodgers. Astros are in there, Yankees are in there, Twins are in there, D, uh, uh, the Rays are in there. There's a, there's a couple teams that are like truly stacked. And the A's are one of them and so are the Dodgers. 
And if we can start seeing that rivalry go head-to-head, I'm all for it. I, I think it will be fantastic. I'll never forget when Yolanda Cespedes hit that line drive home run. I have no idea what year that was. Was that – what year did we play the West? Was that his first year in 2012? 2012 was Cespedes' first year, right? That's correct, yes. He hit a walk-off. I believe it was a walk-off. It was a line drive right down the left field line. And there was a ton of Dodger fans. A's fans and Dodger fans were going after each other. It was great. It, 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 it had such an un, it was an electric series. Let's face it. There's a lot of people from Southern California who have moved to Northern California. And vice versa. There's a lot of Northern California people who now live in Southern California. So I can see the A's and the Dodgers becoming a great rival, especially with all the young talent. You know, you can say they got Bellinger, they got Betts, Chapman, Olsen. I mean, it could be a lot of fun. Uh, Always a lot of fun. He's been on hiatus. But we got him back. He is the top researcher for ESPN. He is the guy that does all the research for Get Up. He's the guy that does all the research for Sunday Night Baseball. He's the man. We love having him on. You also get to hear him each week on Buster Only's podcast, Baseball Tonight. Himbo. Paul Himbakides joined me earlier today right here for A's Cast Live. Himbo, I've missed you. How are you? I love seeing you in your uh, Eagles uh, Super Bowl shirt. Yeah, every time I come on, I, I rock a new Philly T-shirt. I'm surprised you guys continue to invite me back. Uh, most most people that I run into uh, are either fans of Philly teams or hate us. So I'm glad that you guys have been able to put up with me for a few months now. But, yeah, today I'm ripping the Eagles uh, Super Bowl. It was 2017. One of the, I, mean, I, I will say this, though. Like, the Phillies winning in 08 was the greatest thing ever. And the Eagles winning in 17 just didn't have that same shine. The first one of your lifetime is the one that you remember. It's always your first. I, I, yeah, I got winning the Super Bowl. When you guys won the Super Bowl and your guy Mike Trout's there, <laughs> I mean, come on, that had to be like the greatest thing ever, well, right? Yes. The way in which the Eagles won the Super Bowl was the greatest thing ever. They, it was such a Philly way to do it. They won the Super Bowl with the backup quarterback, without the Hall of Fame left tackle. They beat the Patriots and Tom Brady and Belichick in a game that the Patriots did not punt. It was just like – it was just a combination of – like the confluence of circumstances made it so sweet. But in uh, 2008, I was 18 years old. I'd watched – Phillies play every game for the previous 10 years. So be able to, and at that time I was living in the city still. So to rush out into the streets and, and celebrate with all those people, it was just like the coolest rush. And that's, that's a night that I will, uh, well, I mean, it's a night that I'll never forget. I should say, but it's a night that I actually mostly forget, you know, how that goes. Well, Nick Foles always be like one of the most special people in your hearts. People ask me who's the greatest quarterback in Eagles history. The answer is Nick Foles because of that one game. You know, like Carson Wentz can do almost anything. And the Carson Wentz can go to the Hall of Fame. But the answer to that question will always be Nick Foles for me. What about my guy, Ron Jaworski, though? You, you got to love Jaws. Jaws is one of the greatest of all time. <laughs> <laughs> to, quote, to, to quote Ron Jaworski. I love Ron. They, you know, I think about, uh, you know, all, all the years I was in arena football. And, of course, he was ah, the owner. He was. San Jose Sabercats. We, we, we did the battle uh, 
with Bon Jovi and Ron Jaworski down in New Orleans, but that is for a different time. Uh, <laughs> so, as you know, I've told you this, that I've been downloading Buster Only's podcast. I think, you know, even though we are the number one podcast in baseball, that's for the 30 teams. The actual number one podcast is Baseball Tonight and Buster. There's no question. And so I download it and I do my laps and I'm swimming and I hear Hembo say he likes the A's to win the American League. I must walk out of the pool. <laughs> well, from, from my lips to God's ears, I so so this is how it goes. Like a lot of these, a lot of these talking heads in the national media go on the local stations and pick that team to win the championship, and they make their rounds all around. Like you know, you know for sure. Yeah. And listening to the podcast, th- th- this is what I truly believe. I submitted my ESPN.com pick today. I sent them over to Cody. I'm sticking with it. I think the A's are the best team in the American League, or at minimum. I think the A's are the team in the American League that I'm most confident in. The the sort of ceiling floor um, equation that you have to do. Like, I don't think there's any arguing that the Yankees are probably more talented. But the Yankees have, in my judgment, a significantly larger downside because of the number of important players that have shown to be extraordinarily injury prone. I think you could argue that the Astros, on paper, have more top-end talent, certainly more top-end vets. But without Garrett Cole... And like, who knows how good they'll be at hitting now that they don't know pitches are coming. You know, so there, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of moving parts this year, obviously. And making predictions in a 60 game season is a fool's errand. But like I've I've demonstrated to you in the past with the numbers, the A's have started slowly each of the last two years, and if they do that again, they obviously won't have the chance to catch up. But the majority of each of the last two seasons suggests to me this, this is a team on the rise, as good as any team in baseball. When you look at you know pretty much games you know 50, 55, 60 on. And so many of those players are still growing into themselves. Like we saw last year, Semyon become the player that you all thought he could. With Ols- like Olsen, Chapman, you, you have the best infield in baseball. You have a burgeoning star in center field and a catcher. And I think the biggest difference maker for your club this year, like I'm preaching to the choir here, but I can do it all the national shows. The A's are just not a team we talk about that much. I think Luzardo and Puck are the two guys that are going to be the biggest difference makers for you. So that's ultimately where I fall. I think the A's are a really safe pick this year. And when you're, when you're picking – uh, winners and division winners and, and whatnot in, in a 60 game season, I'm defaulting to things that I know. I know that if those A's by and large are healthy, that's a team that could approach 40 wins. And I really like the, 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 the top to bottom balance of that club. And I think another thing we don't talk about just to keep you know, going on this rant here is their ability to catch the baseball. The Yankees are one of the worst defensive teams in baseball. And this is the common thing I'm hearing Yankees, Dodgers, everywhere I go, but the Yankees flaws are more glaring than the A's. Again, the A's might not, Ings lineup might not be quite as strong. They don't have that, that that front horse ace like Garrett Cole. But the collection of players on that club, in my judgment, is the best in the American League. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on Ace Cast Live. Okay, so um, we'll get back to our love for the A's. I'm thinking of you as a great Division II baseball player. What do you think you would have hit if you knew what well, if you were an Astro? What do you think you would have hit if you knew what was coming? <laughs> I I mean I think. I think I could have hit 350. I was a 300 hitter in college. I could have hit 350. The problem is, like, I couldn't hit velocity even if I knew it was coming, you know? And I couldn't hit good spin either. But, so you, could, you, but you could gear up. If you knew the velocity was coming. You could gear up as in, like, the, 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 the general you, not me. Like, I had, I had, I was like a punch and Judy. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to back into one here. Like, if I know it's going to be, you know, even 93 right down the shoot. I'm swinging under that ball, bro. Like, I'm swinging under it. <laughs> so, 
for me, like I would need to know what's coming and where, not just what's coming. I'm thinking, I'm thinking you're more of a 400 guy. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I mean, hitting 400 is hard. Uh, I, I don't even know if I've hit 400 in batting practice. So, 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 like, even against these these schleps who can throw two pitches and you're seeing like 83 mile per hour fastball and you know, on a cold day in Northwest Ohio, I'm still not sure. I'm, I'm still not sure I'm getting a 400, and I'm still not sure I'm, I'm even putting one out. <laughs> hey, hey, I, you know what was fascinating when Cody and I w- broke this down, and we were talking about guys that hit 400. I mean, when you look at Ted Williams, Tony Gwynn, Wade Boggs, Rod Carew, there's plenty of guys, George Brett, that have hit 400 for over 60 games. We may, I mean, I would be, wouldn't you be fascinated just to say in my lifetime, I saw that happen one time. It is the it is the single it is the number that I'm most interested in following this season. I, I came on the show a few weeks ago with you guys. Chipper Jones hit 400 through 70 some games or 80 some games in 2008. It's very possible. The problem wow. is the game now. The game now is such that hitting 300 is such a rarity that someone would just have to be so incredibly hot because there's just so much swing and miss. So that like last year, Cody Bellinger was absolutely destroying the ball in the first half of the season. Like he was hitting 370 through the 60 game mark, but that's not that's not 400. We're talking about like the Rod Carews, like you said, the George Bretts of the world. I think Tony Fernandez hit 400 in the 60 game span in in, in the mid 90s. Like we're talking about a rare group of players, and there just aren't many classic pure hit for average players in baseball anymore. The one guy I think could probably, at least in theory, do it would be Jose Altuve. But again, like I think predicting what the Astros are going to be able to do offensively this year, maybe I'm naive, but I think that's a, that's a, that's a real question mark. I have no, idea. I have like, we've seen how much a difference it makes when a juicer stops juicing. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be that stark, but I think there could be a considerable drop off. This is one of the, like the last couple seasons, this has been a historically good offensive team. I, I'd be stunned if they were able to sustain that. Yeah, it'd be fascinating to watch someone actually, you know, they and, and you know, the, the, the thing is they wouldn't have that pressure, you know, like what George Brett or Tony Gwynn had when people start actually talking about it. You won't see that kind of pressure like everybody was to be like, oh, he's in 400. Great. I mean, that I think that will be the difference this year. If someone can do it, they're not going to have the national spot like like get up is not going to go to every at bat and worried about every single time a guy comes to the plate. That's fair, um, and again, it's so much easier to do it over sixty games. Like that's I, I heard I heard George Brett talk about it in a podcast recently, in which he said like it got hard for me once I started thinking about it every day. But there's not going to be that every day. Like you know, the media, like the fans aren't there. The media is not going to be omnipresent like it usually is. I think it's very possible. I just don't see an obvious hit for average guy in the, in the game right now that could do it. I just. I just don't. Maybe, maybe I'm missing him, and maybe you know Bellinger's fast start last year should make me believe that it is possible. To see a 400 season would be incredible. I think we could definitely see a, a triple crown easily. That could definitely happen. Uh, a 400 season is much less likely in my judgment. Hambo, we got a game we got a tonight. Game. It's Giants. Right. We're playing tonight. Let's go. I, I watched. I watched nearly an entire Phillies Orioles uh, exhibition game yesterday at Citizens Bank Park. <laughs> and let me just say this, like. You know how, how much I follow the game of baseball. Yeah. If you ask me to regurgitate that Orioles lineup that they throw out there, the only person that I can remember off the top of my head is Chris Davis. <laughs> the other eight guys, I, <laughs> I'm telling you, that's a that's a triple-A lineup. Those, those games against the Orioles are going to be must-wins for everyone that plays them this year because the games matter so much. That club's going to take a beating. Yeah. When you start talking about each game, 
is a plus or minus 2.7 or 2.8, whatever it is. And you talk about how bad the, like the Orioles are. I mean, they don't want to win a game. And like, even if they want to win, they might not. <laughs> because, like I said, you're going to get everyone's best shot. I mean, obviously, you'll, they'll beat the Blue Jays and the, and the Red Sox a few times. But just look how the Yankees destroyed them last season. Glaber Torres almost won the home run title by himself just in the 19 <laughs> games they played against the Orioles. Like, it's, it's, a complete, it's a complete joke. That roster yeah. is decimated. In fact, I would go as far as to say that clubs like that, like the Orioles, should be looking to trade any player with value as soon as the season starts. The problem is they don't have any players of value. So I, <laughs> I think I think if you are a you know, not among the two dozen teams that have a real chance to make the playoffs, there's a real market efficient market inefficiency there because there are far more buyers and sellers. And if you're a club that, like you said, just isn't going for it, I would unload early, especially with the possibility that the season doesn't go all the way through. Yeah, I mean, Cody, uh, Cody, you can chime in on this. We've talked about our guy Whit Merrifield, uh, friend of the mm-hmm. program. I mean, you look at these bad teams, there's no one they, – they don't have anybody you want. <laughs> no. Like the, the, um, like the Tigers, for example, another really bad club. Like the players you're most interested in watching this year are Casey Mize and Matt Manning. These are, you know, two kids. Like, yeah. They're not going to be able to trade Miguel Cabrera. Like these guys are – like or, or, or Chris Davis. These guys are untradeable. That's, that's the thing. Like these teams are so bad. Like we're going to have – we're going to have a few clubs that fail to win 20 games, I think. What are you most like? So we're getting this going tonight. We're taping this, obviously. And Giants and A's are going to play tonight, tomorrow. And then we start with the Angels on Friday. As someone who loves the game and someone who researches the game like you do, what are you most excited about? Uh, I would say from a national perspective. I'm a Phillies fan, as you know. But from a national perspective, what I'm most excited or at least most curious about is to see whether or not Christian Yelich continues to close the gap, if not pass Mike Trout. Like, and I mean this when wow. I say this. Look, look, look. I know wow. that this is going to sound like blasphemous clickbait. I'm doing an article for ESPN.com. It's going to be on Friday. I'll send you guys the, the info once once I get it. But over the last year and a half, Christian Yelich is the best player in the sport. It, it's, it, it is objective. It's clear. Now, the question is, how, how long does a player need to be better than Mike Trout in order to pass him on that? Like, right? And, and, and I think most people would say he hasn't done it for long enough. That's a season and a half of data, and Christian Yelich, by every standard of measure across the board, has been better than Trout. Again, th- there's a difference between has been better or is better. But the Christian Yelich that I've seen the last year and a half is absolutely tearing the cover off the baseball and, 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 and outpacing Matt Trout by every single standard of measure. Every single one. So, include, including his ability to run. I, I think in the last 162 games they played, Yelich has 38 steals and Mike Trout has 14. And that's in addition to Christian Yelich slugging over 700. So, he's he's the best hitter in baseball right now and has been for the last year and a half. I think if Christian Yelich puts together another 60 games, like his last, say, 180, 190 games, I think we should be having a real conversation about whether the answer to the question, who is the best player in baseball, is a two-horse race and not as easy as we used to uh, think as recently as a year ago. Okay, so I, I, I you know, I'm kind of tainted in my career because of when it started. Um, and when I think about guys that do things that they didn't do before, and I think about, like, Barry Bonds, I think Lance Armstrong, I think about guys who do stuff that all of a sudden out of nowhere start doing new things – I question, and I think I have a legitimate gripe on these things. And when I look at Yelich, 
who couldn't hit the ball of the ballpark in Miami and now is, as you said, the best player in the game. I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I'm just saying I'm watching a guy who's completely changed. How is that possible? Um, it's a good point. Here's what I'll say. My first point would be hitting in Miami, as we know, is just different than hitting anywhere else. That That is a that's a cavernous ballpark and almost nobody hits for much power there. So that, that, that we know, like that's, that's a big reason why his power numbers were so suppressed there. The second thing I would say is if indeed Christian Yelich was sort of on that path, the one that you're suggesting is possible, that my best guess would, would have been that Christian Yelich became a monster power hitter at the start of a season because of an off season program. That's what you usually see guys come to spring training. They look a lot different. Christian Yelich doesn't look a lot different. Christian Yelich, Essentially, at the, during the 2018 All-Star break, went from being a, 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 a National League reserve to the best player in baseball like that, at least statistically. Now, the, as best I can tell, the biggest reason for that change is about him doubling his launch angle. Even though he's talked about not doing that, he very much has. He's, he's lifted the baseball, and his power numbers are extraordinary. He, gen- he, he barrels up everything, and he generates more power than Mike Trout does when he elevates the baseball. Now, is it fair for you to suspect what might be? Sure. But as best we can tell, I mean, I'm still one, especially in 2020. This is 2005. In 2020, I still think we should we should defer to giving the player the benefit of the doubt. And given all the data science that we have now, it's very possible that Christian Yelich just sort of bought into a program that Brewers tried ingrating in his head the first half of that season. We've seen Justin Turner go crazy. We've seen you've seen Josh Donaldson go crazy. We've seen Nelson Cruz go crazy. There's a a bunch of players like that. I don't know why Christian Yelich can't be that next player now. Is it fair to say, how can someone go from being that to better than Mike Trout? Sure, that's fair. But all I'll say is if you just look at the research, and I'm doing the research for this article, there's a real argument to be made that, like, if you're just throwing out that, that those possibilities in that context, he is the best. He has been, for the last year and a half, the best player in baseball. You know, and I, and I really think, too, and, and to be fair, him signing that contract really, I, it was good for baseball. Wouldn't you say that here's a player that is one of the best guys in the game says, I want to stay in this market. This is enough money for me and my family. I, I That was a win for baseball. Wouldn't you agree? I would. I, I don't think it was a win for the, for the players association, but that's not the same question, right? <laughs> yeah. Christian Yelich, but Christian Yelich was vocal in getting himself out of Miami. So this is not like a, an oh shucks type guy who was just going to sign the first check that came his way. Like he, he wants to win. He's obviously comfortable in Milwaukee in the two years he's been there. They have one. He's obviously very happy and comfortable hitting in that ballpark. Like I said, he's, the, he's been the best player at minimum in the national league since he got there. So I think that is a good thing for baseball. And I think generally if, if, if you see players taking say 80 cents on the dollar and not going through free agency, yes, that probably hurts the notion of free agency. And I'm guessing people like Tony Clark don't love that idea, but do I think having a star like that in Milwaukee is a good thing for the game? Sure. I do. How many basements could you buy with 200 million? Well, none in California. <laughs> As we learn, uh, <laughs> a lot in Jersey, uh, although my, my new one will be unfinished. And, uh, this lovely, this, this lovely setup down here, um, you know, on the other, this is, this is just a love, this is just a lovely space. My parents' home during my first year of marriage, a lovely space. I've never, I have never seen this many basements in my life. It's like fascinating. <laughs> like where is himbo and, and what basement is he, 
is there's a basement everywhere you go. A basement everywhere I go, bunk beds everywhere I go, uh, barking dogs everywhere I go. For some reason, every time I, I do this with you guys, there's always weed whacking going on outside. I guess that has to happen at 2.30 every single Monday. So it, it, we're, we're full of distractions. By the way, while, while I have you, I did put together a few trivia questions in case you're interested in getting some today. Oh, yeah. I didn't I didn't know you had. By Let's the way, I'll tell you this. Mm-hmm. At, the, at the lake, I discovered something. Have you ever had Truly versus yes. White Claw? Yes, yes, yes. So th- I, have, I have a whole power rankings sheet for, um, with, with Truly's High Noons and, and White Claws. Truly um, grades the least favorably among the three brands like wow. on, aggr- on aggregate. They have individual flavors that I favor to others, but like there's a whole hierarchy of things. This, we, we've gotten scientific with our, with our spike seltzers this summer, uh, like I do with most things in my life. That is impressive. All right, yeah, let's man. trivia. All right, let's go. Let's go. Um, so the Nats are looking to repeat as World Series champions, which is the last National League club to win the World Series in consecutive seasons. National League, I'd probably go Cincinnati Reds. The Cincinnati Reds is correct. The Reds won the World Series in 75 and 76. The Yankees have since done it a few times, and the Blue Jays have since Blue done Jays, it once, yeah. but none since the Reds, the Reds in the mid-70s. Very well done. Um, let's see here. Uh, who led the majors in home runs? through the 60-game mark last season. 60 games had the most home runs. Yeah, 60 team games th- through their team's 60th game. I'm going to go uh, Bellinger. Bellinger second. Bellinger hit ah. 20. Christian Yelich, who we just talked about, hit 22. And Pete Alonzo of the Mets hit 20 as well. So it was Yelich so with 22. Bellinger with 20. The polar bear with twenty. I, I'm on record as saying I think the polar bear is going to plunge a little bit this year. I think I, I I think he will have a a bit a bit of a performance dip. It's going to be really hard for him to Cody to, to, to do that Cody, again. You okay with that? Cody, you okay with that? As much as I'd love to see him at fifty plus home runs in a sixty game season, I just don't think that's uh, <laughs> scientifically possible. So I see him taking a step back. But I mean, I, the the science is there. The data is there. That your favorite player. One of I, I did say that Jordan Alvarez was going to be the greatest home run hitter of all time, and uh, <laughs> we'll see how we'll see how that works out going forward. So, but yeah, it's, it's a little disheartening to hear about Polar Bear, but you know it's expected. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, oh, he's a, he's a nice player, but like I'm just always skeptical with someone who is that home run reliant with a lack of other skills. I, he had 50 home runs, but he did so with a 340 on base. I, I think we're going to see some regression. Um, all right, Chris, next question for you, bud. There are two active pitchers with at least 200 career wins. Active, I am not including Bartolo Colon. There are two active pitchers with at least Art. 200 career wins. Which are they? Who are they? Uh, that'd be Zach Granke and uh, Justin Verlander. Both are correct. Very well done. So Verlander has 225 career wins. Granke has 205. I did not remember uh, Granke getting to 205 last year. You're a better man than I am. Um, all right, stay hot, kid. Uh, there are four active players who have collected at least 2,000 career hits. How many of those four active players can you name? There's four guys with 2,000 hits? Four active guys. So everybody's got to be old, right? Yes. Um, All in their mid-30s or older. So Miguel Cabrera... Miguel has 28-15 entering the season. Just saying, who's old? Um, 
Beltre just retired. He had three thousand. Yeah, only one active player had three thousand hits. We have an active guy with three thousand hits. Yeah, yeah, of course. You run it. You'll you'll, you'll run into him in a second as you're doing as you're oh, doing uh, brain gymnastics. Albert Pujols. Pujols has thirty two oh two. All right, so that's two. Um, one has twenty five seventy. The other has twenty three fifty five. I'll be really impressed if you get both. Just trying to think of old guys. I think I know one of them. What do you got? Robbie Cano. Cano is correct. Cano has 2,570. I don't even. He, he, he shouldn't even be on any list. At he, <laughs> he's also yeah. He's also hardly active with the season he put together last year. If either of you get number four on this list, on this list, I will be really impressed. A very anonymous, sort of very anonymous good player. I can't think. Like, who's like a super old guy who's got a ton of hits? Let me see if I can give you a, a, a hint here. He's a, le- he's a left-handed batter that, that spent the majority of his career with the Orioles. Nick Markakis. Yeah. Nick Markakis has really 2,355 career hits. Through the Who will not be playing this year? Who's sitting right. out? But he had, like, his, his 162 game average is 180 hits. Um, let's see. In the last full season he played, he had 185. I mean, look. 3,000 hits has always been this benchmark for the Hall of Fame, but he has a real chance to get there before he turns 40. I don't think anyone that's ever watched him play would think he is a Hall no. of Fame player. But like there, like if he if he if he had put up this exact same back of the baseball card 50 years ago, we'd be talking about Nick Markakis as a Hall of Famer. No, <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Of course, he is not. He he will not do well um, among the Hall of Fame voters, unless they're the old school types that just check a box for 3,000 hits. But he's got a lot of hits. Um, my I, last question for you is this. Jacob deGrom is looking to become uh, back-to-back-to-back Cy Young Award winners. Who's the last person to win three consecutive Cy Young Awards in the National League? Uh, so that's kind of a tricky question. So Randy Johnson won... X amount, but he was traded from Seattle. So I, I will go, I'll go Maddox, but it may be Randy Johnson. <laughs> um, you're all over it. The correct answer is Randy Johnson. Johnson won four consecutive Cy Youngs from 99 to 02. Correct. Uh, Maddox won four consecutive from 92 to 95, one with the Cubs and three with the Braves. But Randy, John- Randy Johnson's four-year stretch from 99 to 02 is just vile. Um, that that guy remains one of the most underrated pitchers of all time. Where did Randy Johnson go after he was traded from Seattle to where and was undefeated? He went to Houston. He went ten and one in in see here in eleven in eleven starts in the ninety eight season, he and then lost and then lost to the Padres yes. in the divisional round. That's right, Randy Johnson. Greatest- yeah, Randy Johnson. You might remember was not a good postseason pitcher before 2001. In fact, when David Price, I think, I think a few, a couple years ago, when David Price was sort of like going through this, this sort of postseason slog. Every time he pitched, he got lit up. He broke the consecutive losses record that Randy Johnson had set. So it's, it's one of these sort of bizarre dynamics. Like the best, you see like some of the best pitchers in baseball history on these lists. Clayton Kershaw is another guy for some reason, like they have this bugaboo, but 
uh, Johnson was able to pitch his way out of it. Clinton Kershaw has not been able to. How do you think the Phillies are going to do in this East? Because a lot of people think the Phillies are one of the teams that, you know, could surprise people. The Phillies, um, the Phillies are plenty good enough to make the playoffs. The problem is the schedule setup for them is just brutal. The the travel, they have such a such a challenging schedule from a travel standpoint in relation to their opponents. One of the largest travel gaps. They also have uh, they also have a 25 day stretch in which they don't have a day off. They have, they have a 25 or 27 game stretch against teams, all all of which were above 500 last season. So they're the schedule in the East just sets up so tough for them. Like I, there's a real chance only one team can come out of the National League East because the schedule is so tough. And I I'm not seeing it. Maybe I think Bryce Harper and some of these guys are very well equipped to put together a great 60 game season. And I think from like players one through 10, one through 15 on the Phillies roster shakes up, uh, stacks up nicely to the Mets and to the nationals and to the Braves, but players 15 through 30 are the ones that I'm most worried about. And I think that is going to be the difference for that club. I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Pembo, we've missed you. You know, that? <laughs> I, I, I've missed you too. It's going to be the next time we talk, we're going to have watched meaningful baseball, which is very crazy. It's crazy to say, but in what, like in watching, Watching games on, on MLB Network this weekend, it just I just injected life into my veins. I just started I just started firing off emails to our broadcast crews. I just got so excited. <laughs> like I just got like I just Buster told me last week he's like I got your first Sunday night baseball email. Yeah, he, he's like that's when it felt real for me. I'm like yeah, me too, bro. That's just how it goes. But um, the next time the next time we talk, hopefully the A's haven't dug themselves into a big hole and sabotaged my American League pennant pick. Before you let me go, how am I overly optimistic about this club? I look at this thing. I look at this stuff really objectively. This is, this is if not the best club among the best in the American League, very clearly. By the way, so while I'm in the pool and I'm listening to you talk to Buster, and I know exactly what you're talking about, how happy he was to get your notes for Sunday Night Baseball, which I didn't realize you do the notes for Sunday Night Baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Mendoza and A Rod and yeah. friend of the program, Matt Vaskersian. I got I got my hands in every cookie jar at ESPN that no one wants me in. But you know, when you eat enough cookies, sometimes you have to leave the jar open. So that's that's where we are. I'll send stuff out that way. You'll see something like like what is this on NFL Live, like or, or or on the draft or some such nonsense. But I, the longer you get to ESPN, the more the more cell phone numbers and email addresses you get, and the more and, and and then the more shameless you get too. So I'll just be rifling off stuff to famous people. Sometimes they like it, sometimes they don't. But you know what? Uh, if one person catches on, then my and, and look. I mean, if, if one person catches on, it's great. But also, like, I love doing it. So, like, I I think it's the it, it's the most fun thing I get to do. So, if like last year, for example, like it's really cool. You know, John Lester note that Sunday Night Baseball brought into that I like something about like pitch tunneling or something crazy it was probably not even that good, and it just made me so happy. Buster's like, yeah, John Lester thought that and it was really cool. I'm like, that's like when you do the stuff that I do, when you're a researcher, when that kind of stuff is brought to life, that's when you find your chest. You know, Cody and I are such baseball dorks. Can you just send us that? I would love Sunday night baseball to have your notes and to watch and go, because that's the best stuff. I mean, what you do, it's kind of sad, but this is what we love. This is the John Lester release point graphic that Hembo sent along. Yeah, that's, 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 when, you, that's when you know. You should, you should do some more laps in the, in the pool, man. Hey, I'm going to tell you, I miss keeping score. That's what a dork yeah. I am. Yeah, I meant no. my, my scorebook. I got it ready for tonight. Our first game, A's Giants. I'm just happy to keep score. It was like the first inning of the game yesterday. I'm like Oriole, Orioles, Phillies, no one in the stands. My wife's just scrolling through TikTok. Uh, Zach Wheeler rolls up a double, double play ball, and I just go you know, six, four, 
It's like, like, I'm watching Hansel Robles, you know, roll up with D.D. Gregorius, you know, with, with, you know, with, um, with like feedback in the stands and they can't figure out their audio. And it, you think it was game six of the World Series, man. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. All right, Nick Foles, uh, are, are you having a son or daughter? <laughs> uh, I mean, either way, I can name I, I can name him or her Nick Foles. So, uh, Nick- yeah, Greeny says he he, he uh, renamed his his two kids, one son, one daughter, Sam and Darnold, and 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 just alternates depending <laughs> on depending on how he feels about each one and depending how well he plays that Sunday. So I'm in that same boat. Nick, Nick Foles, uh, Nick Nick Foles will always have a special place in my heart. Next time we talk, Hambo, we'll be talking about real baseball. Real baseball, Lord willing. Keep your fingers crossed, boys. The great Paul Himbakides right here on A's Cast Live. Good to talk to him. And as we get ready for baseball, I've had a lot of people ask me, um, friends of mine, about the cardboard cutouts. You can still get one. Cody, you have one. I have one. You go to athletics.com slash cutouts. That's athletics.com slash cutouts as you can participate in the program. And, of course, Everything benefits key charities and initiatives that are a part of our community. So go to athletics.com slash cutouts. And why you took that picture and made that of you, I still don't know. I don't know. I couldn't find any good modern pictures of me, although I wanted it to be a picture of me now. The quarantine hair and the the Grizzly Adams. My mom calls me Grizzly. My mom just calls me Grizz now. That's what my my 55-year-old mother refers to me as is Grizz. I should have picked a more modern picture, maybe a picture where I actually dress nice, but I want the picture that uh, I to- I actually used a picture used at the Coliseum. The the person next to me in that picture was actually Stomper, if you're wondering who that was. But uh, I-, I don't know. You tweeted out, and people were asking for the picture, and I-, I wanted to send it up. But before we get to Dallas, I did want to do this and shout out our friends at PG&E. PG&E's frontline workers take the field every day responding to the needs of our East Bay community. We are happy to honor all the five-tool players from PG&E who have shined through the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, we'd like to honor electric crew foreman and longtime ACE fan, Gary Kelly. Thank you, Gary, for all that you're doing on the front lines for our community. Did you see who's in front of me? I did not, no. The great Mark Kotze is the seat in front of me, my cardboard cutout. Your college rival? Well, him and Giambi are college rival, but... And yours looks like you've been shot. There's like like holes I know. in your. I, know. I was wondering what, what happened. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna eff, I'm gonna effort the uh the the pride of the 209 right now. Uh, we are are we calling him live? Calling him live. So let's see. Oh boy, he knows what we're pop- calling him live. What possibly could go wrong here? He's got to be at the ballpark, right? The great Dallas Braden. Dallas, how are you? Uncle County, I'm doing good, big guy. How you doing? I can't wait to watch you on television tonight. <laughs> I, I can't wait to be on. T- I can't wait to be at the ballpark. Actually, County, scratch that. I am already at the ballpark. I'm watching batting practice right now. I am a kid in a candy store. I am beside myself right now. I feel like I have beaten Santa Claus to the Christmas tree. You know, well, I don't think people really realize how much you really love the game. You love the game. You love baseball. How tough has this been for you not having this game and not being able to be around it? 
it's been agonizing. You know, I've, uh, I've I found myself very early on watching some of the you know MLB classic games, and I'm breaking down pitch sequencing. I'm breaking down watching King Griffey Sr. talk about King Griffey Jr. getting a changeup in a certain count, and I'm just I'm I'm trying to consume any form of baseball. Uh, the Korean baseball league kicked off. I was enthralled with that. I mean, I but to have the green and gold back on the diamond and to be anywhere near that is is a true blessing right now. And I, like I said, I'm 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 almost at a loss for words. Just consuming the the sounds of the ball off the bat, the glove popping. Lazardo was out here slicing and dicing a little earlier. Just being able to consume all of that, like I said, is it's refreshing. You would have been a great KBO player. You would have been phenomenal oh. in the Korean League. Oh, Uncle Ty, I'm telling you right now, I, I very well may have been kicked out. They might have said, hey, look, we're, we're here for the showing emotion and everything, but you just don't throw hard enough to do the dumb stuff you're doing on the mound right now. You're going to have to reel it in just a little bit, guy. But, but, I mean, talk about seeing some of the personalities of these guys, the bat flips, even when they swing and miss. Uh, it's just a completely different vibe, and I, I really hope that uh, some of the fans that maybe have found their way in front of a KBO game kind of kind of lighten their load a little when they start to see some of that same emotion portrayed and, and put on display here stateside. You know, Tyler Glass now, he tested positive for COVID. He's back on the mound already. And I got to think that for Jesus Lazardo, we're saying all the right things. You know, he's the young guy. But I got to think he's got to be itching to get back on that mound. Well, there's no doubt. There is no doubt. This is what you work each and every day in the offseason for. And, and we can get cliche and talk about the dream being realized and to have it kind of, you know, cut short a bit very early on. It's, these are all things that become motivating factors. So anytime you're told that you physically can't do something as an athlete and frankly, as finely tuned as, as these gentlemen are, you, you take that as a challenge. So sure, he was kind of put on the back burner, but he said, you know what? I know that I can keep myself mentally sharp. And I know what I'm capable of physically, so I'm going to do everything that I need to. And when I feel like I am in a position and when the test results tell me that I'm in a position to get back after it, I'm going to hit the ground running. And that's, that's exactly what he's done. So I, I, think, I think I can speak for any player who might have found themselves on the wrong side or the positive side of one of these COVID, COVID tests. They want nothing more than to get back out there and, and get back into the swing of things. You know, let's go back to when you were a starting pitcher and how you would prepare for a lineup. What do you think it would be like to go up against this lineup from Simeon down and you got Chapman and Olsen, you got all these guys in their prime. What would it be like pitching against these guys? Well, this is a lineup where, you, you know, a lot of times you try to look for your way out or you look for your breath of fresh air. You know, you're, you're almost you're almost like a dolphin. You need to surface and catch that breath. Where's that going to happen in this lineup? Well, one through nine, there's really no alleviation. You're going to get a quality at bat, and if you make a mistake really anywhere through this lineup, you're going to pay, and you're going to pay dearly. And that really starts at the top of the lineup, and as you said, through Simeon on down, it works its way. And and it is a, it's a lineup where you've got to make your pitches. I, I talk about Miguel Cabrera being the guy during my career where you just knew you, you got to throw him a different pitch in a different location, a little different speed, Everything's got to be different from pitch to pitch. That's the same approach against this lineup here. You don't want to show your hand too early because, as you as you mentioned, Tony, these are some guys who are in their prime and really figuring out kind of 
how to set a pitcher up, how to take advantage of mistakes. And it's, it's scary to think that they as hitters could be one pitch ahead of a pitcher in a sequence that, that, that spells trouble for the opposing team. Yeah. What was that like in your career? When you look over on the on deck circle and you go, Oh no, that guy's coming up. Well, that's tough, right? That uh, any any time the guy on deck starts to impact the <laughs> battle that you have going on with the man at the plate in the box, that is presence, and that's exactly who a Miguel Cabrera type is. But that's exactly what the A's have going on right here, in my opinion. You know, you don't want to see that big fellow Matt Olson lingering, and when he is, and you've got men on base, less than two outs, you better believe he is a factor. And that's not a comfortable place to be as a pitcher. Like I said, worried about a guy who doesn't have a bat in his hand just yet. What do you think about from a standpoint of everything's on the West Coast now other than the Texas game? So, you know, you're going to play in L.A., you're going to play in San Diego, but you're not having to go to New York or Tampa or Kansas City. What kind of advantage is that going to be for West Coast teams? Well, I think it's uh, – I don't know if it's necessarily an advantage because if I'm – Correct, Tony. I believe the Oakland A's still travel the third most in baseball. And sure, it's 60 days, so it's all relative. But the, the ability to not lose hours and lose days of recovery and preparation, making that haul over to the right side of the continent, that's going to be wonderful as far as these guys being able to rest and capitalize on that recovery that is so sorely missed at times through a long baseball season. But on the flip side of that, we're not really dealing with that big, long baseball season. So for these guys to, you know, essentially be able to sleep in their own bed at night in their own time zone for the majority of, of a very different season, I think that can only bode well. And, and it's just crazy to think like you win one game. It's like winning 2.7 games. You lose one game. It's like losing 2.7 games. I mean, the amount of pressure that's on every single game, I think is going to make this so dramatic and I can't wait for it to start. Well, that's exactly that. That's exactly what I talk about when I think about this being a sprint instead of the marathon that a lot of people get, get used to or kind of hunker down for. Each and every at-bat matters. Pitch to pitch, it matters, folks. I promise you. So for me, County, tonight, even in an exhibition game, A's-Giants, I am thinking about this as each pitch is going to get us to game seven or could mean game seven. That's how, that's how much I'm hanging on every pitch because at-bats in April, at-bats in May, sometimes those get cashed in, right, on a day game, getaway day, Maybe you're not getting an A lineup, and maybe you're not getting that veteran guy's A swing early on because he says, you know what, I've got an at-bat that I can really focus on in July or August coming. You can have this one. Well, not this season, my friend. Nay, nay. Yeah, can you imagine going into a season where your goal is to only get 12 starts? I mean, that's that's the motivation that I talk about, County, is, is it's all kind of being condensed for you, and it's all – right in front of you so when you kind of sparse up the season and you break it up and you're trying to you know mentally take yourself through stages the first half second half maybe it's a quarter or you're trying to break the season up in thirds well that's where you find yourself as you are now at the latter third of your mental preparation that you go through in december january february tell yourself i want to be ready to rock those last 10 starts of the season because that's when i know it's going to be crunch time we are here 
Those starts we're talking about preparing for in January, February, those starts are here right now. They matter. You know what's going to be crazy is, you know, normally where you sit, kind of right behind the dugout or right next to the dugout, you usually have all these fans around you. It's going to be you by yourself with a, with, with a bunch of cardboard cutouts. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, Dave, you might have to walk that back. It's not going to be me by myself. I've got me and some of the best-looking A's family members that I've got going around here. Uh, some of them seem a, a bit stiff early on, I'll say, County, but they're, they're going to loosen up. i got no doubt about it. They're going to loosen up. We're going to have a great time. You don't come out here to a ball game in Oakland, whether you be a cardboard cutout or a human being, and have a bad time. That's just not going to happen. Yeah, uh, Mark Kotze and I are, are, are right next to each other. We'll be watching you. Sounds good. I actually found myself. Oh, you have one too? I do. I have one. I, I, I have one right right behind myself. <laughs> I cannot wait. Baseball is <laughs> no, overlooking tonight. me. Uh, I cannot wait to watch you guys tonight. I mean, I've been looking forward to it. I've been, you know, talking about Dallas, you know, being a baseball geek. I can't wait just to keep score, to watch the game. I don't care if it's the next game. I just, I'm just going to be so happy to watch you guys tonight. Yeah, that makes that makes at least three of us between me, Type, and Foss, and we'll count you as four. And hopefully, the A's fans are excited and ready for some baseball. Well, you be well. Have a great call. And uh, next time we talk to you, Dallas, we'll actually be talking about baseball games. I can't wait, County. See you, buddy. We'll see you, big guy. The great Dallas Braden. How good is it to hear from Dallas? He's always really excited. So it's great to have a. Another excited voice on here with you because uh, you're always so excited and amped up and ready to go and never have a bad day, and neither does Dallas, so it's great. Well, I and the thing about Dallas is he's so connected with these players and his insight that he gets from these guys. You got to remember, Scott Emerson was his pitching coach back in the day. So when you talk about the pitchers, Dallas is, you know – Dallas will be in meetings with these guys. He's got such great insight and relationships with ace pitchers that, you know, you won't always have that in your career, but he has that right now. And you want to talk about having your finger on the pulse. Dallas definitely has that with the A's pitching staff. And he's a good guy to learn from. I mean, ten, I mean crazy thing for you because you were part of this much longer than I have been, but 10 years ago, he's, he did throw a perfect game. It was on over the weekend, or was it early last week? Late last week, I saw it. I was on TV again, and I, I, I was watching it. But uh, it's great knowing you can you can learn from a guy that pitched in you know games at the Coliseum and, and learn from Emo. So the A's, uh, if the A's pitchers feel like they need a helping hand or some advice from someone, he's one of the best guys to go to for sure. I will never forget. It was Mother's Day, and my wife is blowing my phone up. When are you going to be home? Because we had to go to – my mother-in-law and father-in-law, who was alive at the time, we were going over there for dinner. My kids were, God, they were just babies at that point. And no way, they were four years old. And Dallas throws that perfect game. And the phone lines, and they, when Dallas threw that perfect game, what year was that? 2009, 2010. 10 years ago. Okay, so 2010, the A's were what? They were a 500 ball club if I... Yeah, they remember correctly. 81 and 81, I'm pretty sure. They stunk. They weren't very good. They had to beat Seattle 
in a four-game set at the end of the year to get to 500. And that Seattle team, I joked, it wasn't even a triple-A team. You want to talk about who? Who are these guys? They were terrible. Um, and the A's swept them, if I'm correct, on a four-game set. And it's, oh, they're 500, and Bob Guerin's coming on television on, on uh, how was it, Fox Sports then, or? Yeah, I think it was Fox Sports was, back I, then. I was I thought it was Comcast, but I could be wrong. Comcast then? Uh, whatever. It was Comcast, Fox Sports, whatever. And and Bob Guerin comes on and he's all excited. Hey, we got the five hundred. And but that team stunk. Um but Dallas, that day was so emotional. I don't know who didn't have a tear in their eye. Because knowing the story of his mom passing away from cancer, his grandma, I mean that was such a special day. That's why Dallas is always going to go down as a special A. Not only is he a great guy, but just, you know, that, 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 that mother's day was, uh, that was as special as it gets. All right, we're getting you ready. We got a little baseball coming up here on A's cast and also NBC sports, California. You're listening to A's cast live right here on A's cast powered by tune in. A's fans. Let's continue to do our part in stopping the spread of COVID-19. Be sure to wear a face mask when you leave the house. Maintain social distancing and wash your hands frequently. Visit athletics.com backslash resources. For additional resources and information on COVID-19, please stay safe. That's athletics.com backslash resources. COVID-19 is more than a health crisis. It's a financial crisis for many California families. In this moment, you shouldn't have to worry about keeping the lights on. That's why at PG&E, we want you to know about our programs to reduce bills for customers facing economic hardship, that we've suspended all disconnections because of non-payment, and we can help you save money by using less energy. Learn more, visit safetyactioncenter.pge.com. Looking to stay connected on the latest information around the new ballpark project? Head over to WeAreRooted.com to see the latest information on all we're working on. That's WeAreRooted.com. There's no better destination to get your A's video content than subscribing to the A's YouTube page. Get access to great highlights, exclusive behind-the-scene content, classic games, and more. Visit YouTube.com backslash athletics to get started. Looking to stay up to date on all things A's? Head over to athletics.com slash A's cast to listen to A's baseball and get full 24-7 coverage of the A's only on A's cast. With a single click, you can stream great shows, live pre- and post-game content, and of course, all the great A's action this season. Head to athletics.com slash A's cast today to get started. You don't need to understand how available adaptive variable suspension works or how pre-collision cameras detect pedestrians in low light. You don't need to understand any of the craft that went into the Lexus ES to feel it. With outstanding connectivity and standard Lexus Safety System Plus 2.0, experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. LSS Plus 2.0 and the pre-collision system with pedestrian detection are not a substitute for safe and attentive driving practices. See owner's manual for additional limitations and details. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. 
coming up here, we're going to talk with Andrew Bailey, former A's closer, 2009 AL Rookie of the Year, and now getting the opportunity to be the pitching coach for the San Francisco Giants. So we're going to talk to Andrew Bailey coming up here uh, in just a little bit. Really good guy. Loved covering him. He was, you know, he was someone that, you know, was always, you know, whenever you needed him, you need to bring him on the program, you need a pregame guest, Bailey was always cool. And he threw hard. I mean, he had, he had some really good years with the A's. So it's going to be great to catch up with him because I haven't talked to him. God. I was thinking about this today, Cody, when we uh, were able to talk with Andrew. We taped him earlier today. Obviously, he's getting ready for the game between the A's and the Giants. Yes, I said a game between the A's and the Giants. The Bay Bridge series is on. Today, tomorrow, then Wednesday, Thursday off, and then the Angels come to town. Frankie Montas, game one starter, 60 games. Let's rock. Cannot wait. It's a big one tonight because uh, it's the power of the A's versus Mike Yastrzemski and the, the Giants. So there's your name power. I think years ago, Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford, Pablo Sandoval, Tim Lincecum. It's now Mike Yastrzemski. Who knows? Maybe Joey Bart, but not positive. And Johnny Cueto are the, the guys you're talking about. Hard times for the Giants, but I can't wait to see these two games and then opening night, Frankie Montasers, Andrew Heaney at 710 here on AceCast and NBC Sports California and ESPN if you want to watch that broadcast. Andrew Heaney is your opening day starter? Uh, I'm sorry. Wow. The, the Angels spent all their money on Anthony Rendon and uh, wow. not using a, the money on starters. Remember, we talked about Julio Tehran was the one guy they brought in. He has, he was tested positive for COVID-19. Then you have Dylan Bundy, and that's really about it. Oh, Griffin Canning, but I don't know what the deal is with him. I haven't even looked to see what's going on with him. If you're telling me Andrew Heaney is your starter on opening day, it's like, are you kidding me? Are you serious? That's your opening day stars, Andrew Heaney? By the way, Siri just activated for some reason. Must have said something, but I've seen worse opening day hey, starters. Siri, how bad is Andrew Heaney? <laughs> Let's see what it says. Oh, Siri has an answer. In 18 games, he went 4-6 and six with a 4.91 ERA last year. Is that any good? Uh, do you remember some of the guys the Angels used last year in their rotation? Let me just pull up there. I, know, I can answer guys off, off the top of my head. Uh, former Angel, former Las Vegas Aviator, the great Matt Harvey was one of the guys. The, uh, Angels the Dark used. Knight. The Dark Knight was one of the Angels starters last year. Trevor Cahill, the only guy on the staff to go over 100 innings, he was one of the guys they used last year. It was a bad year for the Angels when it came to pitching. And Andrew Heaney's one of the guys that, you know, that's – left over from the team from last year that was led by, what was it, one year of Brad Osmus, and he used the opener a lot. There was, uh, let me see how many different guys started games for the Angels last year. There were a total of, 
if baseball reference would load. There were a total of 19 different guys that started the game for the Angels last year. 19. And this is the question that everybody's going to be asking themselves. How do you get 27 outs? How do you get 27 outs? Where we are today in baseball, how are you going to get 27 outs? Because most starters aren't going to go deep in games. So you're going to see more relievers than any time in the history of the game. And I know that's not something. And he, and that's even with the three batter minimum. And we have a new rule that's supposed to, like, limit relievers. But we're going to see more relievers than we've ever seen before. Would you agree with that? I, I, I think it's pretty safe to say per game we'll see more relievers than we've ever seen before in the history of baseball. Oh, I completely agree. And teams that are set up for it very well. Uh, now with the A.J. Puck news we talked about in the last hour, the A's are set up off well of that. The Rays, uh, Milwaukee still, even because that's what they do. I mean, their starting pitchers aren't very great uh, when it comes to innings-wise, so they use a lot of the relievers who are very, very lethal, kind of like Tampa Bay. So those teams set up very well, but I'm I'm with you. I think the relievers are going to be used a lot. Like I was watching, I know it's just a um, it's just a exhibition game, but I was watching Dodgers Diamondbacks last night, and it was like the sixth inning, and they were talking about how you know how deadly uh, Adam Kolarik was for the Dodgers coming over in the trade last year from the Rays, and how the Rays use all these different guys, and they they were going. It was uh, Joe Davis and Earl Horsheiser just going on and on and on about relievers, and it's like this this is what we're going to see this year. A lot of relief pitchers, relief pitchers coming in earlier than we thought because these guys are not going to go more than maybe five innings or ninety pitches or so. Here's a good question: How many guys will get twelve starts? I want you to think about that because that's every five days, it's twelve starts for sixty games. How many guys will take the ball every single start? Like right out of the gate, your guy Degrom. He's already not going to make 12 starts. How many pitchers in Major League Baseball will actually take the ball every five days and take this all the way home in 60 games? It's a great. It's actually a great question because when you think of the guys that you think of the are the workhorses in baseball, I mean, you know you're going to get that probably out of Scherzer, although he got roughed up the other day by the Phillies in that exhibition game. Uh, Verlander, Verla- at his age, he's a maybe. Uh, Kershaw, I think Walker Bueller, Jack Flaherty, Shane Bieber, maybe Mike Clevenger, maybe Lucas Giolito of the White. I'm just thinking of the guys that were really good last year. Maybe uh, Hung Jin Ryu. I don't know. I mean, a lot of people are high on it. I'm a big fan of him. I think he might be a guy, but you're not. It's going to not be very where, many. Where, where, where are they going to play the Toronto Blue Jays? Because uh, they're not allowed to play in Toronto. So where are they going to play? Yeah, so they're talking with uh, they're talking with the great city of Pittsburgh about playing at PNC Park. Are they really? Yeah, it'd be cool to see. It's great for Pittsburgh because, from what I saw, it's great for Pittsburgh because it brings in the international international fans to see what happens at Pittsburgh. But if you watch hockey, you already know from Toronto, you know what the Penguins do. But you see that you get to, it adds more jobs like hotels and stuff because then you have the Jays and everyone coming in to stay there. It's actually good for Pittsburgh. I was hoping they would stay. And play at Buffalo, but I saw that J.J. Cooper of Baseball America said earlier that no minor league baseball stadium has the lighting requirements that would fit the Major League Baseball stadium. So Buffalo was kind of thrown out where they play their AAA games. If you're looking at proximity, why wouldn't you have them play at like 
share it with like uh, the Mets at City Field or something. Like to be, I mean, I mean, I, I'm not saying I'm a Pirate fan. It's just, it's just proximity wise, it's easier for them playing New York than it's in Pittsburgh. Well, yeah, I, I, I thought when we first saw that, I think it was didn't that come out yesterday? It was, that yeah, Toronto. Yeah, it was like last. So, I, I was under the impression that you would have to play at somewhere on the east coast because that's how you could match up home and away games, right? So your your point. So the Mets. So you could line it up where the Mets are gone, the Blue Jays play. When the Mets come home, Blue Jays go on the road. It'd be easier to line up with a team in your division versus you're talking about Pittsburgh, which is in the central. That'd make it tougher on, from a standpoint of, and I even thought about sharing with Tampa Bay. I know cases are up in Florida, but I thought about Tampa Bay, you know, certain places that you can play, but man, it's going to be a tough year for the baby Jays. Yeah. And we're looking forward to seeing a lot of, you know, Biggio and Bichette and Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Ryu and a lot of their guys taking, taking steps forward, uh, they have a lot of nice young talent. Charlie Montoyo is a, is a nice uh, up-and-coming manager from the Rays. I wanted to see – I really wanted to see what they would do in that division. But knowing that they might have to rework – I mean, how do you have to rework their schedule? Or if you share with the, the Pirates at PNC, you have to rework the schedule for both teams and make it work. And I, I don't know how they – we just found out over the weekend – I'm just looking at the date – that we're in the middle of July and the season starts on uh, Thursday and Friday for most teams, that you weren't going to be allowed to play in Canada. I feel like that's a little – it just uh, process should have been figured out a little while ago. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be, you know, for them. Luckily, it's only sixty games, and you just got to suck it up for two months. I mean, I can't imagine six months of being on the road. That's where we'd have to get our guy one take, Dave Cavill, back on the president of your A's, who had the traveling samurais of the. Uh, what was it? What was his league called? The California League, or what was it called? I'd have to let me look it up. We talked. We actually mentioned this with him uh, last week. I think when we talked to him on the build. Let's see here. The Golden West League, or it was a hilarious league. He had a team of all Japanese players, and they played on the road every game. The Golden Baseball League. That's what it was. That's called. what the Jays are going to be doing. They're going to be playing on the road every game. It's like the Cleveland They're Spiders. Home base. It's like the Cleveland Spiders who played like a hundred and how many games? Like hundred and twenty games on the road when they played hundred and fifty or something. So they had like thirty home games or something like that. Yeah, like they were terrible. Oh, the, yeah, they weren't. <laughs> That's why people are scared to rename the Indians the Spiders because they their legacy is they were just so bad. All right, earlier today, got a chance to hook up with an old friend. Andrew Bailey was a an all-star for the athletics. He's now the pitching coach for the San Francisco Giants, former rookie of the year with your Oakland Athletics. Here is Andrew Bailey. You know, Andrew, over the years, you know, watching you come up with the A's, be so successful, and now what you're uh, doing with the Giants – we're so happy for you, and I know a lot of A's fans, what you meant to this organization was fantastic, and just congratulations on, on what you got going, and we're all, we're all just happy baseball's back. Yeah, thank you very much. That, that really means a lot. Uh, I always enjoy, you know, coming back to the Bay Area, uh, Oakland especially. Uh, I'm really looking forward to, you know, the opportunity, obviously, with the Giants uh, across the Bay and, and uh, 
fun fun times in Oakland, and I think everybody speaks for everybody that we're just excited to uh, to have baseball back and you know seeing it on TV the last couple nights has, has been really refreshing and and uh, hopefully this uh, we can kind of get back to a, to a little bit of normalcy and and things are going to be weird from kind of our perspective, but I'm, I'm hoping the fans can really enjoy the game that we all love. What was it like for you? just putting the uniform back on and I, you know, you know, from a standpoint now as a coach and, 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 and helping players, what was it just like getting back into it? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was honestly tough, man. Um, you know, as a, as a former player, you're kind of, you know, fear of the unknown. You know, I, I was fortunate enough to, to have my degree from college and, and uh, you know, but you grow up, you know, since you're five years old and, playing the game and you know you start playing American Legion or travel ball now and you really don't know anything different so it's it's kind of a scary landscape and you know some anxiety can set in and uh, fortunately I was blessed with the opportunity to join uh, Mike Stosha's staff right after I got done playing and kind of a introductory you know coaching position and and um, you know so so obviously welcomed that with open arms and was able to stay in the game so you know the first year was really really strange um, you know kind of coming to terms with like your ability not to do the things that you're trying to get uh, your, your, your players to do and, and really falling in love with the game from a, from a different lens and, and a different viewpoint was really uh, awesome for me. Uh, and now with the Giants as, you know, the pitching coach, just being able to share my knowledge um, with the players, helping them, you know, throughout their career or their career getting started and, and wherever I can fit in and let them go do their job. So um, I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. Uh, always open-minded and, and really uh, looking forward to this opportunity. I mean, when you look at your guys, like how in shape are they? How much were they throwing, you know, when, when they were back wherever they were back home? Because uh, that's, yep. that, that's kind of the thing we've all, we all kind of like wondered, like, are, are they ready to go? What was that like? They come back and, and how much are they ready just to go? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a, a difficult question. I think it's a very uh, individual answer. Um, you know, a lot of guys, depending on the resources they had, right, um, is, you know, there's two ends of the spectrum. You know, you had some guys only capable of throwing into a net in their garage if they were in an area of the country where it was completely shut down. Other guys, you know, maybe had, um, you know, some facilities open for a little bit longer when they were at home. So they were able to go train and throw off the mounds and stay fresh. And then also you have to, you have the human element as well. Obviously, you know, we're in a pandemic and, you know, just, you know, the, the anxiety of going to the grocery store is a real thing and the stress level that, you know, these guys as human beings are feeling as well. So there's a lot of variety uh, and, and, you know, personalities and, and issues that, you know, kind of challenged, you know, us as, as people throughout the, the, the downtime away from baseball. So really it was just kind of a constant communication of, Hey, how can we help? How can we support you? How, how what do you need from us? You know, where are you at helping them build out some throwing programs based off of, um, you know, where they were at in, in their programs and or in, in, in the country. So um, for us, it was, it was just being, being communicative with them and, and, you know, letting them know that we're here to support them and, and not letting them off on their own and, and guiding them through the shutdown and, and communicating as much as we could uh, based off of what we were hearing from Major League Baseball and then the players, you know, communicating with us and just really making sure that everyone came in fresh, ready to go. So, um, you know, hopefully we can eliminate um, 
some of the potential injuries from a quick startup. You know, back in the day with the A's, you were the kind of guy that you took the ball, you wanted the ball constantly. So I, I think yeah. about now as a coach, um, what is that like? I mean, because you got to you got you, in, in a way you have to protect these guys. You don't know yeah. how many innings you can get out of the starters. You know, like what are your expectations of your staff? Yeah, I mean, our, our, my expectations is is for our guys to be honest with how they're feeling, um, taking the ball. Um, you know, when when the, when when uh, Cap gives it to them and and go out and pitch uh, until we take it away from them. You know, and and for us, it's it's they're all on board with that. We understand that um, you know the game is is changing a little bit. Um, you know, and and we'll be creative when we need to. But um, for me. As a as a as a, p- a former pitcher and and throwing through injuries and pain, I you know did that to to a, to a fault and uh, you know so just having these guys uh, trust you is huge and understanding that we're here for them, we want them to be on the field um, and and just continuing those conversations. So expectations, man. I don't really I don't really know. You know, obviously there's not going to be any 200 inning pitchers or you know you know potentially 15 game winners or whatever it is, but um, you know, so things, there's a lot of new things and, and every game is worth three. And um, so our ability to go out and win, win ball games fast and get off to a great start uh, is, is going to be exciting. Yeah. I think about from a standpoint of a bullpen, we're probably going to see more pitchers than we've ever seen before per game. And I don't yeah. know what that's going to be like. I mean, just, but you have to manage that. What, what do you think that's going to be like? Yeah, I mean, it's, there's going to be some uniqueness to it as, you know, also, um, you know, not only a uniqueness of a shorter season, but we also have three batter minimum, which is a new hurdle for coaches, pitching coaches and players, right? So not only is, you know, we're adding new roles into a shortened season, uh, so it's definitely going to be unique and there's going to be a lot of strategy involved and, you know, the ability for your relievers to go back to back early in the season. I mean, maybe some teams will, some teams won't. Um, really value usage. And again, like you hear it a lot around the league and the industry is, you know, the healthiest team both on the field and, and from a, from a, a, a COVID standpoint, you know, has a really great chance of winning. So, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're doing our best as a, as an organization to, to stay safe as keep our players um, and our players understand the value in that. And then it's our job as coaches and, and an organization to keep our guys healthy as possible on the field as well. So, um, you know, I think there's a real competitive advantage in that, and, and we're going to do our best to, you know, stay stay connected with our players on how they're feeling and continue to build them up as we can. You know, I think about the three batter minimum. That wouldn't have been a problem for you. I mean, you would attack that, but how do you coach that? <laughs> I mean, what, what is that like? I mean, you know, no one's coming to, to get you. How, how do you coach that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just to set the precedent on, you know, getting outs from, from, from pitch one, right? Like if you bring in a lefty to face, you know, uh, uh, two lefties and, you know, you need him to get two outs. Like there's a, there's a heightened awareness on the importance of, of, of doing that because you have the righty, you know, coming up third or what have you. But uh, I think there's going to be some interesting strategy and um, implementation of, of, you know, different techniques and, and uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think our guys are aware of it, and um, you know we have the we have the utmost confidence in in all of our guys to get both handedness hitters out. 
you know, we got a chance to talk to Gabe Kapler down at the winter meetings in San Diego, and he's a fascinating guy. What What, what is it like? I mean, obviously, both of you guys are former players. He was a position player. You, of course, you were an all-star and you were a pitcher. But what is it like working with him? Because he, he really is an interesting – he's a very smart guy. Yes, he's very, very intelligent, and, and one of his biggest strong – strong points is his communication skills. I, I don't really think I've ever met anyone who has been able to communicate with staff, media, uh, players uh, on a consistent basis like Gabe. I mean, great in-game manager, and then you add on the communication level layers. And, you know, his belief in, in you know, kind of, you know, the, the family environment and creating great environments, not only for our players and our coaches. And, you know, Gabe and I, as, as former players, really rely on a lot of our staff who aren't former players. I mean, I've said this from, from day one is, you know, those are our, our other staff members have been honing in their skills on coaching and information and the use of technology and a lot of different things that you see in the game right now for the last 15 or 20 years. And, you know, Gabe, you know, obviously was out of the game before I was, but, you know, we were focused on our on the field thing. So me and him rely heavily on our other staff members that bring other things to the table and um, really value that. So Gabe is, is amazing at, at working with people, um, structure and communication. And it's been it's been a blessing to work with him. You know, what is it for you as a former, you know, I mean, obviously you were a terrific pitcher and an all star and going through your career. What is it like for you? when you got to deal with this pitching staff, I mean, there's, there, there, I know it's special to you as a teacher and, and what you can do for but, but I got to think for you with these guys, it means so much. And I know how much you care about the game. What is it like for you now as basically to help these guys be as successful as they possibly can be? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's not too much intervention, obviously, with our with our uh, older veteran pitchers. It's it's letting them uh, go compete and compete as they're comfortable, and and hopefully, um, you know, little bits of pieces of, of information here and there. And you know, our staff is hungry. We have a lot of of younger guys, uh, a lot of guys in in different parts of their careers that are trying to achieve different things. And um, it's really just letting them be themselves and kind of guiding them when when there's when there when there needs to be guidance but um i'm really excited about our staff i think we can do a lot of great things this season um and we have a lot of hunger hungerness in, in, in within our pitching staff in general so uh it's kind of a younger group it's it's uh it's, it's an exciting time to to be in the giants organization and and i think uh you know expectations man it's it's going to be fun to watch well, you know with the A's, we're always going to be rooting for you. It's tough that you're now with the Giants, but uh, we're always going to be rooting for you. And, 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 you know, it's great to hear your voice. Great to have you on. We truly appreciate it. Good luck to you and uh, and everything you guys are doing with the Giants. And, uh, you know, you, you know we're, just, we're just all just happy the game is back. Yeah, I, I, we're all excited for that. And it, it is funny to, to – it's, it's awesome to be in the Giants uniform and, and really uh, – honored with my time with the A's and it's, it's funny, you know, Pablo and I, we go back and forth about the, the Bay area, uh, Bay series all the time and, and, uh, facing him in that. And it's, it's great to have, you know, that, that camaraderie and that connection there. And it's, it's been, it's been fun to wear this uniform and really looking forward to getting back to the Coliseum tonight and, and playing the A's. Yeah. It's great to hear your voice. Good luck and everything. And I can't wait to talk to you during the regular season. Sounds good, Chris. Take care, man. Good guy.
Really good guy. I always enjoyed my time with him. And uh, once again, you know, there's go-to people on the roster, right? There's people that, you know, you need a pregame guest. Someone's going to give you a, a, a good sound bite. He was always one of those guys. And obviously an all-star was a terrific pitcher, but a, but a really good guy. And yes, he's now with the Giants. So uh, I still will root for him and his staff. We want him to do well. And we enjoyed our time too with Gabe Kapler. We got to meet Gabe down at uh, the winter meetings. And, you know, back in the day, I used to have Gabe on my show when he was with Fox Sports. And he always respected Gabe Kapler because, you know, he's a hard worker. No one's more in shape than he is, for God's sakes. And, God, I remember he used to do a blog about nutrition and everything. I mean, Gabe's a really smart guy. We'll see how that's going to work in San Francisco. And, you know, the Giants, like any other team who, going into this pandemic, no one gave them a shot. No one gives the Royals a shot, the Orioles, the Tigers, the Marlins, whoever. But now, it's a 60-game season. You get out to a hot start, and you start feeling yourself, and you start saying, hey, we can win. I mean, really confidence at this point is more important than talent. And I can't believe I'm saying that because talent wins out in 162 games. That's the thing about having one of the best rosters is the longer you play in major league baseball, your warts get exposed. The things you don't do well, it gets exposed. And teams take advantage of that. That's why people want a 162-game season, because the best of the best will rise. You can't fake it for 162. Can you you fake it for 60? No doubt. I mean, how many times have you heard, whether it's this show or any other show, where they're like, hey, Nationals weren't even a 500-team. They won the World Series. If you went by this equation last year, the Nationals don't even make the playoffs. Once again, in 162 games, you can establish yourself. The cream rises and the bad teams fall. We literally have teams that are not trying to win. And it happens in every sport. It's NFL, NBA. We have teams that are just not trying to compete. They want draft picks. They just, it's just, it's, it's a reality of the business. But now do the Royals have a chance? Do the Orioles have a chance? Do the Giants have a chance? I mean, you win your first game. Like the A's first game is Friday. If the A's win that game, that's basically winning 2.7 games. Not one game, it's like winning 2.7 games. Just a little under three if you do the math. And yes, my San Jose State math is bad. I'm listening to other people on this. But this is what they're saying, Cody. You win a game, it's almost like winning three games. You lose a game, it's almost like losing three games. So you got a young team that, just look at the guys across the bay. You got you got these guys with the San Francisco Giants. What do they have to lose in a 60 game? They have 
you know, you get hot and start winning games and you believe in yourself, who knows? I think the one team that we've I've mentioned this before, Baltimore has no shot. Hembo brought it up. He couldn't even name anybody in the lineup besides Chris Davis. <laughs> it's a fact because our guy Trey Mancini is out all year with his battle with colon cancer. So and we wish him the best because he's a really good guy. But the only thing, the only team I can see, I don't think the Royals have a shot. I don't think the the Pirates have a shot. The Blue Jays maybe. Detroit's the one that's still. They're probably not going to be very good, but they're going to be exciting if they use Manning and, and Mize and these guys that they have their, that they're building for in the future. And if Miguel Cabrera looks good, I, are they going to shock the world and win the uh, the AL Central over the Twins? No, but I think they could be a team that's a that gives those teams a, a challenge more where the Orioles are just going to try to go out there and not win games. The, the Detroit has a legacy manager and uh, garden hire. They have a, a GM who is an older, you know, it's an older established GM in Al Avila. I, I just feel like they're the team to watch for the teams that are the, the quote-unquote bottom dwellers. Seattle, I'm sorry, they're, uh, Jerry DePoto will probably trade half the team at the deadline because that's what he does. He trades, he just makes a lot of trades. And the Giants, they're they're going to try to manipulate the service time for Joey Bart and Elliot Ramos and some of these guys because I think I read yeah, that. Yeah, but wait a minute. Is it, does the service time not matter? I think for guys that don't have any, I think you have to play like three innings. I was reading. I think it was three innings. If you play like three innings, it's a, it's a, essentially a full year of service time. And so that's why, like, we'll who knows what happens with Bart and you know the whole situation. Buster Posey opting out. Everyone's like, okay, it's Joey Bart's time. It's the future. And they're probably going to use Rob Brantley to be their catcher. Don't know who he is. Look him up. So I would. I think personally, I think Detroit's going to be the team I watch in the sixty games. It's one of the teams you don't think about or the would they, you bet would you bet your retirement on uh the detroit tigers in 60 games to to, to to do what anything uh well i don't have a lot of my retirement so i don't mind losing what's in there uh but no i probably wouldn't they got no chance no but they have a lot of they have it if you're if you're leaving the blue jays out and a team like maybe the padres who everyone thinks is going to be the surprise chic pick in uh in the nl west I just think that Detroit has a lot going forward, and you have a, maybe a healthy Miguel Cabrera and some of the milestones he's chasing. They they might be fun to watch for a couple of years until they finally get good. Hey, let me tell you how that Padre thing works out. It's not. Bob Townsend's Padres will be what Bob Townsend's Padres are, and that's losers. Well, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I, I'll give everybody the benefit of the doubt. All right, 60 games. But I, I still think – when you're, you're in a division with the Astros, the A's, and the Dodgers, and you're all playing each other, Dodgers are not going anywhere. What, what, what have they won the West? Like, is it seven times or eight times in a uh, row? This will be the uh, – I'm going to put it out there. This will be the eighth straight year they win the uh, the NL West. Eight. Eight straight times winning the West. If they win this year. It's seven right now. I'm already, telling, I'm already saying they're going to win the eighth. I don't think they're going to get challenged. D-backs don't have the talent. Padres don't have the talent. Rockies stink. Uh, Giants stink. No one's touching the Dodgers in the West. They're winning that division easy. They might be the only team that actually runs away with the division. Like, they could, they, in 60 games, they could separate themselves from all these other, all these other teams 
they could they could easily have a, a double digit lead. See, I don't think that's going to happen anywhere else. I think everywhere else it's going to be more competitive, but the NL West, they're bad. Let's face it. I I I, I see American League teams just just tearing up National League teams. I mean, remember when Piscotty hit the jack down at Petco? And then the next day, or the next two days, the A's just rolled them. Padres can't play with the A's. Come on. They don't have the offense. They don't have the firepower. The only team in the West, in the NL West, that has the firepower to play with American League teams is the Dodgers. Because they actually have, they can put Jock Peterson in there, who had 36 home runs and be your DH. They've got the firepower. All these other National League teams, they, they don't have the firepower. The, yeah, and the Dodgers are so tough. And what's scary about them, too, is they got guys coming up still that we haven't even seen play for a full year. Ginger Guard, uh, Gavin Lux. You're, you're a big fan of Gavin Lux. Um, and who knows what they do in the offseason. Do they try to go get Lindor? Do they try to get Chris Bryant? Because Justin Turner is a free agent. They're going to be running away with that division for a, a, at least a couple more years. Do I think they'll challenge the Braves' division record? Possibly. But I think they're going to make they're going to have to replace some guys like Kershaw and stuff going forward, where the Braves had all those guys Maddox in them for most of the run, like the Dodgers have had with Kershaw. I just hope that health and everything works out because this Dodgers team is very scary and very good. And I just got this sent to me because you know Dina, my fiance, is an Angels fan, so she gets updates sent to her from Bleacher Report. Joe Madden says Anthony Rendon's oblique is still sore today, so he might not be ready for opening day. $245 million, and he's not even going to be on the field potentially for opening night. You can't be healthy by July? That's great news for the – I mean, it's still bad news what happened with Puck earlier today, but good news going into you got Andrew Heaney on the mound, and you might not have the second-best hitter in the lineup behind Mike Trout playing on opening night. So we'll, we'll have to monitor that situation. <sighs> Andrew Heaney is your opening day starter? Really? Can we can we look at the uh, see if they update every team's? I want to see this, who different teams have been out there. And I like Billy Epler. He's friend of the program, but I got a bad feeling about his uh, his job security. I mean, think about that. You're in a sixty game sprint, and the first guy you throw out there last year. Went four and six with a four point nine one ERA. Your, your opening day starter for his career is twenty and twenty six with a four point four four ERA in seventy seven starts. He's a guy. He's simply just a guy, and that's who you're throwing out on day one if you're the Angels. Do you want to hear who some of the opening day starters are? Major League Baseball. Sarah Langs, our great friend from MLB.com, has an article. Which what, what, so she's she's has some real bad ones. Uh, so you got uh, Blue Jays is Ryu. It's his second opening day start. That means good. He's solid. The Orioles have John Means, who was their best pitcher by far last year. He had an area under four, which is that's a godsend for that team. Um, the Rays have Charlie Morton, which amazingly that's only his first opening day start ever. The Red Sox are using Nathan Avoldi, his first uh, opening day start. He can't stay healthy. 
And then the, the Yankees are using some guy named Garrett Cole. The Indians have oh. their, the Indians are using Shane Bieber. The Royals are using Danny Duffy. Ugh. Tigers, uh, Matthew Boyd. Twins, uh, Jose Barrios. White Sox, Lucas Giolito. And then we mentioned Heaney, Verlander, Montas. Marco Gonzalez, who's actually pretty underrated for Seattle. He's probably the best player behind Mitch Hanniger in that lineup, or just on that team. And then the Rangers have Lance Lynn. I'm trying to see if there's any, like, maybe Brandon Woodruff for the for the Brewers might be one of the guys. You're like, huh, he's just a guy, too. Uh, Sonny Gray starting his third opening day. Clayton Kershaw his ninth. And, yeah, that's about it. And Chris Paddock starting his first with the with the Padres. And uh, Herman Marquez, the starter for the Rockies, is starting his first. So uh, there's not – Andrew Heaney might be the, war, the the one guy on the list is like, Really? That's the guy you're using? Why don't you use the opener? <laughs> hey, how about this? All those years of facing King Felix, he's finally gone, and, of course, the A's don't open against the Mariners. Yeah, what, what was it? How many years? In, what, this is the fourth? It seemed like every year. I know. It's like, go to Japan, he beats you game one, and then you come back and start the season with the Mariners again, and then he beats you, and he's 2-0. and Yeah. And I, I want to say the Angels now, the last four years for them, they've started the season against the A's. So I, I already forget who we start, who the A's start the season with next year because technically this year the A's were supposed to start the year before COVID. They were supposed to start the year against Josh Donaldson and the Twins, who, by the way, got hit on the arm by Kenta Maeda the other day. Maeda said it was one of the scariest moments of, of his life because he thought he might have hurt Donaldson and pretty much been hated by the Twins. But Donaldson's okay. But uh, so now we got the Angels again. But no Anthony Rendon, possibly, and quite possibly maybe on paper, stats-wise, the worst opening day starter. Uh, the odds may forever be in the ace favor on Friday. Frankie Montas coming out throwing BBs. I'm not going to be shocked, and I'll say it right now. I'm not going to be shocked if he goes six or seven innings and he mows these guys down. You know, other than Trout, and if you're telling me Rendon's out, I mean, I could see Frankie going out. I mean, look at the last time he pitched after the suspension. He was lights out. And who wants to get up and face 100 miles an hour right out of the gate? <laughs> Nobody. Coming up next, Sweet Lou. Lou Trevino is going to join us right here on A's Cast Live as we get you ready for a little A's baseball here on A's Cast powered by TuneIn. Become an A's insider today. Visit athletics.com backslash newsletter and sign up to receive the latest video highlights, up-to-date news, features, and more, all delivered free to your inbox wherever you are. That's athletics.com backslash newsletter. Some things just go together. Peanut butter and jelly, cookies and milk, Oakland and Kaiser Permanente. If that last one caught you off guard, it shouldn't because Kaiser Permanente has been helping keep Oakland healthy since our very beginning. And as the official healthcare partner of the Oakland A's, that won't be changing anytime soon. Whatever you may need, you can trust Kaiser Permanente to help keep you feeling your best. Kaiser Permanente, thrive. Visit kp.org today. 
Chevron and its brands are committed to reliably providing fuel to customers, even during an emergency. The safety and health of workers, customers, and the communities where Chevron operates are primary concerns. In Northern California, Chevron and Texaco stations are open for business, supplying quality fuels in a safe manner. This is Chris Townsend for the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. During these horrific times, people still need to get food, and the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek does deliver. Give them a call at 925-322-8799. That's 925-322-8799. Don't forget, their world-famous chicken pie and also all the other pies that they have, you can freeze and have for a long time. So give the pie shop in Walnut Creek a call. You call them at 925-322-8799. You can also get beer, wine, and spirits with your delivery. And you can check out the full menu, chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com. A's fans, have you seen the great images of our fans all around the Coliseum during NBC Sports California broadcasts? Way back, no doubt, how far will it fly? With our Coliseum Cutouts program, fans can still be a part of the ballpark atmosphere even while watching from home. These awesome cutouts benefit the Oakland A's Community Fund. Learn more about the program at athletics.com slash cutouts. A's fans, let's continue to do our part in stopping the spread of COVID-19. Be sure to wear a face mask when you leave the house. Maintain social distancing and wash your hands frequently. Visit athletics.com backslash resources. For additional resources and information on COVID-19, please stay safe. That's athletics.com backslash resources. The Oakland A's stand in solidarity with the black community against racism and injustice. This season is dedicated to champion organizations that serve the needs of Oakland's black community. The A's will work with local nonprofits focused on racial justice, social reform, African-American youth, and revitalizing Oakland. To learn more about the A's work in the community, visit athletics.com backslash Black Lives Matter. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the And you're listening to Ace Cast, your 24-7 destination for Ace Baseball. You know, a lot of people have asked me about the cardboard cutouts. And recently we had Stephen Piscotti on the program to talk about this. And a way that you can be involved with the Coliseum Cutouts program is ALS Cure Project Foul Ball Zone benefiting the Piscotti Family Foundation focused on finding a cure for ALS. Cutouts in this limited edition near first base are $149 and include an autographed photograph from the A's outfielder, Stephen Piscotti. Your last chance to participate in this zone is coming up, so you need to sign up. If a cutout catches a foul ball, which is hilarious, if a cutout catches a foul ball in this section, you will receive a signed ball from Stephen Piscotti. Cutouts are available at athletics.com slash cutouts. That's athletics.com slash cutouts. I don't need, I don't technically even know where our cutouts are. I know that Mark Kotze is in front of me. That's all, I have no idea where I am in the ballpark. 
Do you know where you are? No, I got I got it sent to me. I think on Thursday, and but it was I wasn't told where I'm at, so I'll have to look on TV tonight. Whenever we're watching on NBC Sports California, it's six forty to see where we're at in the ballpark, and I want to see if I'm by anybody I know or any celebrities because we know Dallas is going to be behind himself on the broadcast. So I want to see maybe maybe I'll be next to the great Ray Fossey. I was on the phone with Fossey for about 30 minutes on my way home yesterday, and he goes, I am at the ballpark. I have a cardboard cutout, so now i got to find Fossey somewhere in the ballpark. I'm just disappointed that the uh, Fossey with the sombrero is not going to be the cutout because it's literally one of the greatest pictures of all time is Ray Fossey down, I want to say it's probably Tucson, Arizona, with a sombrero on, with, with a batting stance, with a bat in his hand. Truly one of the great pictures of all time. When are we going to have Fossey? Are we going to have him tomorrow? We are having him tomorrow. 4.30 tentatively for the great Raymond Fossey to be uh, on A's Cast Live. And he'll talk to you uh, every day on, on pregame, on A's, uh, on the A's Total Access pregame show. He'll be with you every day leading up to the first pitch. Now, quickly before we get to Lutrevino, this has popped up from my phone. And you were right. The NFL offered the NFL Players Association to play zero preseason games this summer. And this isn't just from some ESPN beat writer. It's from the great Adam Schefter. I told you so. They're not playing anytime soon. They still have all the financial stuff to work out. Look how long it took baseball. The NFL has to work out the financial stuff. There's going to be no fans in the stands, even though they claimed, oh, oh, oh we're going to have all our fans. No, you're not. So that means, so if you don't know how individual teams make money, we always hear about the TV contract, which, yes, that's what they all split and essentially pays for the player salaries. But what individual teams get to keep on their own is everything that happens inside their stadiums. So tickets, suites, hot dogs, beers, parking, all that kind of stuff, that's what they keep. There's going to be no fans in the stands. So that means they're going to have to go back and negotiate with the players just like Major League Baseball had to do. And they're running out of time. I mean, we're going to look up. It's going to be August. Where's training camp? Preseason's gone. The NFL is going to be in trouble. Now, they'll be financially okay. But that whole plan of, oh, it's business as usual. No, it's not. And that's going to be, I mean, look at what baseball's doing. Look, what, look at the NBA. And, and good for the NBA, by the way. Congratulations to them. The NBA, no one tested positive for COVID in their bubble which is great. We want to see the NBA. We want to see all sports go. It helps all of us. If Major League Baseball's going, basketball's going, NHL's going, golf, NASCAR, whatever, it's good for all of us. We're rooting for everybody. And that was good news for the NBA that no one tested positive. Now we're going to see what happens with the NFL. But their whole Roger Goodell... We're, we're, oh, it's, it's business as usual. No, it's not. Speaking of business, earlier today, we got to catch up with one of our favorite A's players. Here is the, relu- the reliever, Lou Trevino. Well, you know, he's one of our favorites. Lou, how have you been? Uh, I can't complain. I've been pretty good. 
fun, nice to be back in California. Uh, and it's nice to see the teammates again and play some baseball. You know, I got to think for you, I mean, for, from a standpoint of just pitching, where you're like, let's go. Like, you want to get after guys. I know how uh, your mentality is. What has that been like for you getting back into camp? Uh, it's, it's, it's been nice. I've been so for, for me, I've been uh, throwing to, uh, to a net all all break so it's nice to finally have a have a have a catcher um it's nice to face some hitters it's just it's been a it's been nice to finally be back and like i said being back in the swing of things even though things are a little different it's still nice you know to be back with your guys and basically the the clubhouse what i mean for you what does that mean just to, to 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 be back in uniform to have baseball and to be back with the guys. Well, it's nice to have some sense of normalcy back. Like I said, it's a little different now. Um, you know, the, you can't, you know, someone does something special. Everyone wants to give them a high five, like kind of dab them up. And, you know, that's discouraged. It's definitely different. Um, but like I said, it's just nice to finally be back with the guys uh, to kind of have, you know, baseball and sports back because I, I don't know about anyone else but even though I, I do like those classic games I was getting sick and tired of watching just those classic games on, a, on a MLB and even all across sports whether it's a fo- football games basketball games whatever so it's nice to finally have sports back you know I walk in a locker room and I see I see t- the teams playing again it's just it's just it's nice to be back yeah, you're so right. I mean, you're talking about the class. I love the classic games, but at some point, yeah. I want to I see you throwing 98 miles an hour. As much as I yeah. love classic games, I want to see you back on the mound. Yeah, it's, it's nice to not know the outcome of every game, you know? Like, I just, I want to, I kind of want to, I want to ride that emotional roller coaster again. It's been too long. You know, when you think about yourself, like, like how, do you, how, how do you stay where you are mentally, physically, because obviously, you can work out all you want, but at some point, you have to be ready to go. How have you, how have you stayed polished and, and, and ready to make that happen? Um, I was, I'm very blessed uh, to have a, a, a baseball academy that I helped run back home. So when this whole entire thing happened, I decided to go back home to spend time with family. And, uh, and I had a baseball academy there. And and I was the only one there, so it's nice. I had a, I had I had the weight room, uh, you know. I had lanes to throw baseball, so it was a little easier for me to stay on track. I was able to lift and do all that stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, like I, it, it is a little different mentality-wise because I know there are times where you know no one was sure if sports were going to come back this year. So um, you know, sometimes you you, you fought with, uh, well, should I even work out today? What's what's the use? But it's nice to finally. You know, it's nice that I was able to continue to work hard and uh, and we got baseball back. And, yeah, so luckily I've been able to, uh, for the most part, stay as physically and mentally uh, sharp as possible. I mean, what is that like tonight? I mean, we're taping this earlier today. I mean, you potentially could be in a game tonight against San Francisco Giants. I mean, it's it's like ready to rock. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. I don't know about you guys, but I'm freaking pumped. You know, it's, I, I can't, I can't wait. Yeah, this is, this is big. I mean, it's, it's been a while since I, I remember having my own juices feel like this. Um, the fact that you're only going to have 60 games, 
What is that like for you when you know, I mean, you're obviously you're competing for a championship. We know how good the A's are. What is that like being in a shortened season? Uh, well, honestly, I, I don't, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, this is the only time we'll tell really, but I mean, we can anticipate what it's going to be like. I know it's going to be more of a sprint and there's going to, instead of, I'm not saying again, don't, don't, don't take me out of context here, but, uh, there's obviously there's no throwaway games, but at, at, over the course of all uh, a regular season game, there's going to be games that don't nearly mean as much, you know, you're trying to get people in, in, in the rhythms, maybe, you know, a guy struggles and, and well, let's keep keep him in there, and he'll hopefully figure it out because we have a long season. Well, there's gonna be none of that this year. You know, you gotta you gotta come out hot, firing all cylinders, and and I think this is gonna go. This is gonna be a a very fun season for fans, especially to watch. I know no one can really watch it up up close in person, but you're gonna have teams that um that maybe don't have as good of a chance to make the playoffs and and, and go far, who aren't built for necessarily built for. Uh, a full season now that there's 60 games you know some teams can catch fire some people can catch fire and I think it's going to be exciting uh, for a fan wise it's going to be exciting games to, to watch uh, but I, I think we're, we're built for it too I mean we have we have a phenomenal offense and obviously we have a, a great defense good starting a great starting rotation I think a great bullpen um, so I, I feel like we have we have a really good chance to go far and uh, and 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 hopefully win one this year. You know, I, I think of a guy like yourself who you're built to go more than one inning. And that, that's got to be like an, an exciting thing for you that you know that when Bob Melvin gives you and Scott Emerson gives you the baseball, that you can go multiple innings. And now in the world we're in, we don't. I, I don't think we're going to see starters go as far. What is this like for you when you start talking about, you know, I mean, Give me the ball and let me go. Yeah, I mean, whatever Belmo wants me to do, I'm going to do. If that's if that's one inning every other day or two innings every other day, three, whatever it is. I mean, I'm 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 ready. I'm feeling good. Um, and I'm hoping I'm hoping to contribute to a championship year. Yeah, I think about the the, the team that you have. You know, one of the great things that, and I, and I think that with the A's, when you talk 97 wins back to back years. People don't talk enough about how great the defense is behind you guys. Speak to that about how good the defense is. You know that the guys behind you are just spectacular. Yeah, I mean that you were going to use the you just used the word that I was going to use. I mean we have a spectacular defense. Chappie makes plays that some third baseman can only dream of. You know the fact that sometimes um, I was talking. I can't remember who I was talking to this the other day. Like that they they were talking about how amazing our defense was. And, and I was really thinking about how sometimes I take that for granted. I take, sometimes I take Chappie for granted and then all of a sudden I see him make a spectacular play. I'm like, okay, this guy is legit. And same with Olsen, same with Simeon, you know, it was everyone, everyone. It's, it's fun to play because, you know, you don't have to be perfect. You know that you don't have to strike everyone out. You know that if people put the ball in play, odds are it's going to be an out, you know? So, so, from a pitcher's perspective, it just makes life a lot easier, you know? You know, but I do think about your game, though. Uh, you're going to strike a lot of guys out. Uh, what is it like for you keeping that velocity up while you're going through a time like this? And and and, and you haven't had the opportunity to, to, to pitch to hitters. 
Uh, I mean, velocity, I think, is really important, but uh, but what's more important to me is life. I mean, for instance, let's take Liam. Liam, yes, he throws really hard, but there's there's games that he's just 93, 94, but he has really good life to the ball, you know, and, and he's still getting the same swing and misses than when he's 90, 90 99 to 100. You know, so for me, I'm I'm trying to get a, a good good life behind the ball, trying to stay behind the ball, and and make it harder for hitters to hit. And uh, but yeah, velocity is important, especially to start off out of the gate with being 60 games. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to have that week or two lull period to where you're kind of still trying to feel it. So, you know, it's like I said, it's going to be an interesting year, and and I'm excited. That's so fascinating when you talk about that, saying, okay, so if I'm 94, 95 but I have more life to the baseball than if I like don't have that. And I'm still like 98. What exactly does that mean? So, so from, from a hitter's perspective, I mean, you got to realize that this the game's a little different. This, this, uh, like these last few years, everyone throws hard. It used to be where, I mean, when I got drafted in 2013, the average velocity was 89. Well, now it's 94. Was it 18? It was 94.4 or something like that. So, everyone throws hard now. So it's not a matter of you got to throw hard. You got to be different. So if you're trying to muscle up balls and like I've, I've been there when I'm 98, 99 and people are still turning me around because I'm bailing out. They're seeing the ball early. I don't have that late life, that late action to it. Um, it's just, there's a difference between having that late life at 98 and then having just a 98 mile an hour fastball. So I know it's a little hard to explain, but there's a big, big difference. You got to be somewhat different nowadays because, like I said, everyone throws hard. You know, you have to have you have to have movement. And you have to have that late burst um, behind, and that's why you hear a lot of pitchers. I know I talk about it almost too much, but I'm trying to stay behind the ball as best I can, which creates late life, which creates that late hand speed. So it's just it's all it's all very interesting. But like I was saying, you just got to be a little different than than just the average 94.4 you know you gotta you gotta have that late license very very important well i can tell you this i i, I know i'm i'm gonna have my cardboard cut out sitting in the stands looking at you guys uh, i i can't wait to see baseball again and i gotta think for someone like yourself i mean what does this mean we'll end on this what does this mean just put the uniform on to get back out competing. What does this mean for someone like yourself? I mean, it means a lot, you know, it's something that I've worked very, very hard and people like me have worked very hard. You know, I've sacrificed a lot to be where I'm at today and, and I'm, I'm beyond blessed that God's blessed me with the ability to play baseball and to play at the highest level. So it's just nice to be able to do what you're kind of meant to do. You know, I'm not saying I was lost at home, but it just, you know, you, you, I'm 28 years old, you know, uh, I'm, I'm in the prime, I'm in the prime years of my, my life, baseball wise. And it, and it was, it was frustrating that I couldn't play baseball doing something I absolutely loved. And, you know, my family couldn't watch me, you know, my friends couldn't watch, watch the A's. I know cause my, my, my family are, I personally love my family. Obviously that's, that's, uh, that's obvious, but I mean, they, they watch every single game and you got to realize they're on the East coast where when I get in, it's 1130 and they got to get up at six for work. So, they love watching baseball. They love watching me play. So it's nice to finally be able to play again and have my family watch and, and then be around the guys again. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to have baseball back and, and sports overall. You know, one of the things we've, we've loved doing here on Ace Cast Live is 
bringing on familiar voices and your voice, obviously very familiar. We've loved having you on the program over the years and uh, it's great to have you on. It's great to talk to you. Good luck. I mean, this is going to be a very interesting time, 60 games. It's a total sprint and uh, you're going to be a big part of this. And we can't wait to watch. You know, you know, you're making me feel old. You know, I still feel like a rookie. I, I feel like I just got here in 2018 and now, now you're telling me that, Oh, you're the constant voice over the years. You're making me feel really old. And then as I have a mirror, I'm looking, I see some gray beards in my hair too. So, you know, uh, uh, or some gray hair in my beard. So it's actually making it, uh, yeah, you're right. I am, I, I am getting old, <laughs> but you're, you're, yeah, you're, 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 you're becoming like a veteran guy now, Lou. I know it's, it's weird. It's weird, <laughs> but yeah, it's, yeah, I'm excited though. Lou Trevino, sweet Lou. You know, we've mentioned it many times here on A's Cast Live. Don't be shocked if this was like a Raleigh Fingers or Dennis Eckersley situation where a reliever could win the MVP. I mean, the more games you get in and the more you factor in these wins, the more valuable you become. I think there's no... If I had to bet, if we're going to do the old MVP balloting and Cy Young and all that kind of stuff, I probably would put my money on a reliever. Because starters are not going to go deep in games. The numbers for the hitters may be down. You know, is the pitching going to be ahead of the hitting? But, um, and and the numbers, like, like, you know, you're used to seeing this guy had 48 home runs and this guy had 140 RBI. You're not going to see anything like that. You're going to see like, oh, the guy had 12 home runs. Well, this reliever pitched in 34 games. So who knows? Could a guy like Liam Hendricks, could a guy like Lou Trevino, could, could one of these guys be the MVP if they pitch in a boatload of games? I think so. I'd almost bet, if I had to bet, by position, you know, because we know first base has won the most MVPs of all time. I probably would bet reliever right now. I think the rel- I think a reliever is going to emerge, whether it's National League, American League. I believe a, a reliever will emerge a- and be a serious candidate for MVP. See, I was when we went over this a couple of times. I I think that a, uh, a reliever could definitely win the Cy Young. And I was trying to go back and forth thinking about if he could win the MVP award, but I agree 100% that I think a reliever could win the MVP award because if you're winning 2-1 in the ninth inning and your closer comes in and saves the game, these wins mean so much more than they do in a 162-game season. I mean, all wins matter, but in, in this one, in this season where the wins are 2.7, uh, that's how many games you're essentially winning when you win one game, it's so much bigger. So if Liam comes in and say he pitches in 25 games or 30 games and he has – 28 saves and the ERA under one and he has a ton of strikeouts and he's like 3-0 and on this season. I wouldn't put out of the realm of possibilities that he could be a, an MVP finalist. And uh, I've mentioned before that we talked about his crazy story. It would just be incredible. It would just build on the legacy that is Liam Hendricks. Uh, what did John Gruden say? Win, 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 buy, win, 
16 and 0, man. I mean, what if like let, let let me just give you something crazy. What if Liam Hendricks has 20 saves and 7 wins? What 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 if you, what, what if a reliever like Liam factors in almost half of your games? I I see that guy being the MVP. I see that guy being so valuable. We're going to see more relievers than we've ever seen before. Now we're going to make it tougher on the relievers because now they have to face three batter minimum. I, I, I can see a reliever factoring in at least half of the games. And if that guy does, he's more valuable than anybody else. This is going to be a epic, epic season. Get ready. Strap it on. You're going to have so many teams that are, are, are in it. We're going to come down to the last week with like 13 to 12 teams all vying for postseason baseball. It's going to be awesome. Your lineup tonight against the Giants, Marcus Simeon will lead off, followed by Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, Chris Davis, Mark Canna in center field, Stephen Piscotti in right, Grossman will be in left, Murphy will be behind the dish. Tony Kemp will get the start at second base. And, of course, on the mound, Sean Manai. If you're just joining us uh, and, you know, the news is not great news, but, uh, unfortunately, A.J. Puck's uh, shoulder has been shut down. Remember, he's coming off Tommy John surgery, came back last year, pitched out of the bullpen, shut him down in spring training, thought he'd be fine, shut down again and going to see a – specialist down in Los Angeles. That's the unfortunate news of today. But reality is, A's got depth. It's what we've talked about. It's one of their strengths. They have depth. And now Daniel Mingdon and Chris Bassett are in the rotation. Good news is, Jesus Lazardo is back. He's playing catch. What did Dallas Braden say? Slicing and dicing today? That's good news. He'll be back before you know it. And get ready for a lot of tandem starts. You know, Daniel Mingdon, you go three. Jesus Cesardo, you come in, go four. Whatever it is to get to Liam Hendricks. We're going to see a lot of that in these 60 games. And the commander didn't even want to answer when I asked how many pitchers you think will actually get 12 starts. It could be possible not one. We could not have one guy take the ball every five days. Could a Verlander do it? Maybe. A Grinky, Scherzer, Kershaw, Bueller, maybe somebody like that. I mean, you know who's a guy who I think could definitely do that is Mike Fires. I think we could rely on Mike Fires to really go every five days and take 12 starts. But I wouldn't bet on it. He's a guy that's very reliable, and we've we've discussed him in length over the past year and what he means to the A's overall, not just the, the, the rotation, but overall as a team. I think if there's one guy in baseball that's going to have the most pressure on him to get to 12 starts, you're going to tell me the Yankees are paying Garrett Cole $36 million and he's not going to start 12 games. I think he's the one guy that we can look at to maybe – because, look, what was it, like two weeks ago we were talking about how there might not be a complete game this season. Now we're talking about a guy not going 12 starts. 
I mean, what's next? I mean, we're, gonna, we're not going to see starter over five innings in a game. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy how this just keeps evolving week by week. I couldn't give you a number because I was trying to think of guys out loud that, that that are horses that take up a lot of that they'll go thirty plus starts. Cole might be the only guy realistically that maybe takes gets all twelve starts aside from fires or anyone surprising some uh, a lot of people. I think Cole is the one guy we can probably count on that'll get twelve starts. Well, it's time. Forget about me. Forget about Cody. It's time for baseball. It's time to hear the voice of summer, the voice of your Oakland athletics. You've missed it. I've missed it. It's time to hear Ken Korak. It's time to hear Vince Catronio. It's time to tune the, turn the television on and see G-Kipe, the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey, and Dallas Braden. It's time for A's baseball. We've been talking about this for months. Spring training schedule is over. We'll be back tomorrow at 3 o'clock getting you ready for game two of the Bay Bridge series. And then on Friday, the Angels come to town and the sprint is on. A season like we have never seen before where every pitch, every out is so precious. Every win, every loss means so much. It's all about getting out to a hot start. You don't get out to a hot start, see ya. As Michael Kay would say, you got no shot. Nicely done. That's very nicely done. A's baseball coming your way next right here. We're going to hear a little bit of uh, David Force, right? The general manager of your Oakland Athletics. That's correct. The David Force show next leading into the A's total access pregame show with Chris Townsend. All coming your way next right here on A's cast powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.